Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello, Egg Chasers. It's the Egg Chasers Rugby Podcast, the podcast about rugby that doesn't take itself or the game too seriously. Back in the rugby dungeon as we have been every single Monday morning. Well, into our 11th season and off the back of round one of the European Champions Cup and Challenge Cup. But to those clubs, you're probably not going to get much of a mention today. So just be better, I think is the message. Well, Newcastle played and lost. They did. They nearly won. Did they nearly win? Against Montpellier, who won, having Crikey. having lost for eight games as well. Anyway, that's not where I want to... That's, that's not the game that <laughs> deserves to, to kick off this podcast, as entertaining as it may well have been. Uh, how are you doing, JB? You all right? I'm very well, thank you. Been buying and selling sofas most of the week. Yeah, so, sofa trading. Big, Yeah, big sofa trader. <laughs> yeah. So I tried to get rid of one in the lounge, and the Red Cross showed up, and they wouldn't take it. So never donating to them ever again. And you don't want to do the whole Facebook Marketplace thing? Uh, Someone... uh, Hive of scum and villainy. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, Maybe. If if you want a sofa, come around my house and take it. I'll (laughs) give it you. (laughs) It's quite nice. And Phil, you all right? Any sofas traded? Uh, Zero this week. Um, It's a lean week in the sofa trading game for me. But uh, just a very, very brief update. How's your um, parquet floor? Um, uh, Looking good. Is it, all, is it been finished for ages now? Uh, it, it has not been finished for ages. So it, um, the parquet floor, floor has been finished for about two or three weeks. Oh, wow. Um, because of a sequencing issue, which I won't go into. Uh, very, very, very boring. But I did um, excitingly... Well, you find it interesting. Uh, even I find it boring. <laughs> so I <laughs> definitely if, won't put if, you through it. If you want a, a building job to go wrong, get a construction professional to run A hundred percent. It's the only way you like, do it. I deal more with money than time. So um, the money, the money's fine. The money's on point. The time is a problem. Oh, well, same thing, apparently. <laughs> well, yes. <laughs> um, but I was um, installing the last two of the electric blinds for my Veluxes this morning mm. and getting my ensuite, uh, which is adjacent to the parquet, ready. Oh, so it's wonderful. It's nearly. I I will. I will by hook or by crook be sleeping in my loft at Christmas. Oh, what, what, wonderful stuff! <laughs> so let's get straight on to rugby. Yeah, well, I was going to say you can get in touch with this uh, contact edchasers at gmail dot com. And why don't I start with this email that's just landed? Uh, that the last email Ooh. in our inbox in well in in the last few minutes from Jack Penrose who said, um, "Love the pod, blah." JB is right much of the time, 
but not this weekend. Seven out of eight English teams in the Premiership won their opening round in the Champions Cup. Yes. Uh, And he summarises the English teams, saying, summarising them as, Bath are back, until they go to Toulouse, that is. The JB Bowl was won by his former love, Sale, over his potential love, Stad, Francais. Mm Mm-hmm. Baxter has been Ferguson-esque in his regeneration of Chiefs. Marcus Smith is quite good at rugby. Saris were totally outplayed. Billy rivals Tom Daly for diving headfirst into trouble. Uh, Can Saints win with their kids? The drop goal is back. Well, for Marcus Smith and Callum Sheedy anyway. And Pollard was worth every penny. But Bassett might be the best Wasps cast off out there. What a great summer summary. Um, he, Let's go home. He, he, yeah. <laughs> Thank you very much, Jack. He finishes it off saying, uh, keep going, boys. Sorry to Phil for his beloved Ulster losing mm. uh, losing their way in the second half. Uh, and uh, th- this is from Jack, a long-suffering Bath fan. And he says, sorry to Tim for Aveyron Bayonet suffering a draw. They look good in their kit, though. The kit is good, and I'm all right with the draw. It's okay. Away to Munster. Away to Munster. Yeah. That's decent. Not too bad. Well, I think you've missed a game. Peterborough Lions versus Spalding played this week. Wow. Yeah. And would, that, would you care to guess the score? Peterborough Lions against Spalding. I'm going to go a heavy Spalding victory. Heavy Spalding victory. I, I'm going to go a, a classic 3-0. 3-0. Okay, so this was published on 9th of December, so yesterday, by Alan Swan, and it is in the Peter, Peterborough Telegraph. So this is how the game went down. Lions led the counties one middle east sorry Midland East March eight seven when the fracas between uh, members of both sides led led to a coming together of most players on the pitch. An eyewitness told the game sorry the let's start again. An eyewitness at the game told the PT a couple of punches were thrown, but when other players arrived at the scene, scene the team separated quickly he was astonished when the referee abandoned abandoned the match whilst apparently declaring he had sent all 30 players off all 30 <laughs> and i went and said i thought he was issuing two yellow cards it was ridiculous <laughs> what <laughs> what a game <laughs> it's all calmed down pretty quickly did wow. the ref did the ref have somewhere that he needed to be <laughs> uh, yeah uh, the Peterborough Telegraph contacted Lions chairman Andy Moore on Saturday night, who expressed his surprise at the referee's decision. No one could believe it, Moore insisted. We uh, we couldn't. The, uh, the Spalding players and officials couldn't, and nor could some very experienced old players and officials in the crowd. Incredible stuff. Wow. Scenes. We will now wait to see what the referee's report brings. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. Wow. So, I, I just remembered in terms of grudge matches we, we said this on the podcast ages ago tell us about the the, 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 the grudge matches that are happening uh, Phil, Phil or someone can you look up Canvey Island versus Basildon Scott Sullivan got in touch to say big local derby with a lot of history in Essex South that's level 8 Essex South I've not spoken about Essex South level 8 time. no he said um, big wins over Barking 100 plus points and Millwall 82-5 uh, no doubt, Canvey will want to burst out, uh, burst out the bubble of Basildon, which is uh, clearly Scott's team uh, after our close win against them earlier in the season. So um, they're just ten miles apart, quite pally off the pitch, but very spicy when it comes to a derby match. Um, and uh, he says, "Spare a thought for Barking, who not so long ago were high flyers in National One. I played against Barking in National One a couple of times. Uh, they're now a Level Eight club." 
and have had to concede a few games this season due to not being able to field a team. That's Jason Leonard's old club, that. Mm. Well, old Wimbledonians against old Amplefordians yesterday in Surrey's Counties 2, level 8, won 28-20. So that's another... What was, what was Cam VV ba- Basildon? Cam- uh, is it, I've, got, I've got 22-15, but that's from the, the 10th of October this year. Hmm. Oh, maybe it didn't happen there. Maybe the game was called off or hasn't been updated on the well, RFU quite, site yet. Quite yeah. a few games were called off yesterday yeah, because of the wind and rain. And we'll talk about podcast favourites, Talk H, Marlow, and of course, um, Aylesbury later. <laughs> nice. Was that, was you, that gong? You yeah. punctuated it by gonging your uh, yeah. microphone. <laughs> <laughs> Didsbury Talk H. <laughs> I can't do it again. Do it again. Dids- um, Didsbury Talk H. <laughs> <laughs> All right, then. So where did you, where do you think we should start, JB? Northampton. Oh yeah, we didn't me- that didn't mention Saints. Well, in we that. sort of did. They said, "Can they win with kids?" Yes. And well, and Courtney, and Courtney, Courtney and the Courtney and the boys. Um, crikey, they might be able to. Courtney and the kids, good name so, for a band. Yeah, yeah, it's a very good name. So hang on, let's just let's just take a bit more of a broader view, like what actually happened this weekend. So first question is. Is this legitimate? Like, were the Premiership teams just really, really good? Or was something else at play? Were the French teams not at full strength? Is it a product of maybe there's so many teams that go through to the next round anyway that it's not that, you know, it's a competition that a lot of teams won't be taking that that serious. World Cup hangovers going on, I don't know. That that would affect England as much as anyone, though. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So what is it that's caused this? It could also be a product, ironically, of smaller premiership squads because they can't rotate. I mean, you just can't. You've, got, you've not got enough manpower to do so in a, in a respectable well, manner. They also only have 10 teams in their league, so they have fewer weekends of league matches, so they don't have to rotate. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So there's quite a few things. What do you reckon, Phil, on, on this whole... Because, again, we... I think rightly been saying the quality of the premiership has dipped, but you... I don't know if we might have to eat our words on that. I'd, I'd hold judgment on that till the end of the season, till the knockout stages, because I, I think you've listed a lot of things of which all have contributing factors. JB, mm. it's how much each one of them has. So let's let's go through a few of them. Um, fewer teams in the Premiership, so they can, um, they have to rotate less because instead of playing, um, including Champions Cup games, thirty games a season, you're only going to be playing. Closer to 22, 24, 26. Um, you've also got three teams that no longer exist and the majority of those players spread amongst yep. the other premiership clubs. That's so, a great point. Like, guys like Bassett, um, Cunningham South. Um, That's a great point. Uh, Ollie Lawrence, Ted Hill, although he wasn't playing this week. But quality, the best players from other teams have either gone into play or back up to strengthen... Yeah. Those so, teams. So, London Irish fans, Worcester fans, and uh, Wasp fans. Sorry, but your your club's going. What Phil is saying there is that your team's going bust. The best thing for English rugby. So that's that's what Phil's just said. Well, yeah, it it's, it has made <laughs> other teams stronger. It has. Yeah. Like if you've got Ollie Lawrence and Alfie Barbary in your back uh, bath line, then it makes your team stronger. Yeah. Unquestionably, it, it hasn't been but, good for those same players' bank balances. That's for certain. Yeah. Yeah. Well, but then there is also the fact that. Uh, four out of six. So we're in, we're now. Uh, let me get this straight. We've got six pools of. Is it six pools? No, four pools of six. Four pools of Sorry, six. Sorry, not six pools of four. Four pools of six, and the top four in every pool goes through to the 
round of 16. What have they done to it? The round of 16, it was very entertaining, but it means you don't really, like, you only need to win a couple of games. Well, Ulster got through last year with one win. Yeah. In the pool stages. They got through to the round of 16. What is the point in that? And, And the year before, I think, they got, they topped the pool, but played against Toulouse and got knocked out by Toulouse because Toulouse have been playing badly. Yeah. But it doesn't matter if you're Toulouse because you've got to beat everyone to win the thing anyway. <laughs> yeah. And Toulouse can beat anyone, so it doesn't matter if they're the, the, weak, the lowest uh, well, ranking seed. You probably want the biggest games to fill up your stadium anyway. Yeah. There is, yeah, there, there is a little bit of that it, as well. I mean, it will be... Gr- oh, I was going to say it will be great come the round of 16. It should be. Um, but the, I, you know, the pool stages should be great. The pool stages the should pool be great. Stage, and stages used to be absolutely dynamite. Yeah, when, when you th- when you think back to the like the Sky Sports era of the Champions Cup was yeah. just gold, wasn't it? It really was, and you could see it developing as a competition which actually got in the popular conscience. Now, now it's not, but it was a real top end. Like as close as you could get to international rugby yeah. in club shirts, and it was the great games. Lent to be Northampton in eleven. And Munster winning it in two thousand and nine, just that, those great to lose teams are just—they have messed about with it. I think it's sacrilege to have messed about with it as much as they have. I completely agree. I completely agree. Now, just on the squads, I have got some numbers for you, which are quite interesting. Uh, about the declared players from each—not each team, but some of the teams that um, are in the Champions Cup. So, Sale. This is unbelievable. Have declared. 63 eligible players for the Champions Cup. 63! Mm. So that's... So there's... I mean, that doesn't sound like a smaller squad size compared to previous, which is what you would think if the salary cup... Well, not if. Because the salary cup has gone down. It gets better. Saracens, 65. Mm -hmm. Harlequins, over 70. Mm. That is bloody enormous. So it got me thinking, like, what's going on here with these with these numbers. And I came to the conclusion that these teams are not busy hoarding players, do like Bristol or Exeter did when they came up because you need two squads effectively. You've got your championship squad. You need to sort of wash through that. And those two squads were massive for that exact reason. And they hoarded a lot of players. It's not that. Here's what I think is going on. I think that the standard of the premiership is going down. And as it is going down, it means that they're going to rely on more academy kids, which is why the most frequently paid salary in the Premiership is 40 something k as we've discussed many times before. But because you're relying on academy kids to fill that void, effectively what they've done with the Premiership is they've made rugby a lot more accessible to a lot more players. So the majority of those guys there will basically just be kids. They'll be senior academy kids. And that's what, that's what they're playing with. Because if the Premiership is not of the standard it once was... These guys can play, but you wouldn't dream of playing half those guys if you were the, to, the Toulouse first team. Well, Ben Richards uh, on the email here sent about an hour and a half ago, uh, contactedchasers at gmail.com. He, he makes the point that, that Phil just made and said he's actually quite positive and optimistic for the Premiership with the higher quality talent pool condensed into fewer English teams. Yes, but they, we must remember that these are sort of marriages of convenience for the short term. Mm. So players that needed jobs right now and are willing to go for a cut, a cut ha- price. Yeah, but the salary cap's going up next year. The salary cap will go up, but then where's that going to be spent? It's, well, it's already being spent. Bath being uh, linked with, although Henry Arundel's not going to Bath, we, it doesn't look like, mm-hmm. but nope. uh, Bath being linked with RG Snayman. 
and like the the, the clubs that want to spend more money are already starting to spend yes, that extra are. one and a half million pounds. So, which is going to leave Newcastle even further adrift. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's going to exacerbate a lot of problems. But nevertheless, the other thing I thought I'd mention as well is I have been. Well, I do think it's undeniable the the playing talent in the Premiership is not as good as it was. That's just undeniable. Um, but when you restrict the amount of players you can have, but you've still got money to spend, or you still want to spend money, so you want to be competitive. Oh, hold on, just go back a sentence. What, what did you say? The quality of players in the Premiership is... It has declined, yeah. Well, yeah, no, but I think Phil's point is the absolutely pertinent one. There are some players that have gone, Yeah, but the the net, the net, Actually, might be a positive when it's only spread across ten teams. I see what yeah, you're saying. There I don't. Was... I don't know if it is a net positive. I don't. Know. I, I like. I. I think. It, I think the Premiership overall is weaker, but it's not. It. My point is, I guess, it's not all bad because you. You have got players who've got out both, as well as the England players like your Marchants and your Noel or the like Marchant, like Jack Noel, like yep. Sam Simmons, Sam like Simmons. Joe Simmons, yep. um, all those guys. You've also got guys like. Vincent Cock, who would be playing there, or Villy LaRue, who's now in... Or Will Skelton. Or Will Skelton, yeah. So there's, there is definitely a drain in talent, which is a, which is a negative. There is a redistribution of talent, which is a positive. Yeah. Probably the negative outweighs the positive yeah. at this moment in time. Yeah. Um, whether that gets corrected when the salary cap goes up, who knows? Well, there is one more positive, right? If you can't just buy players to win your titles, like yes. Leinster can, you do express <laughs> um, things in different ways. And one of the ways is coaching. So I think the two real bright spots in English rugby, A, the quality of the referees, who are just world-leading, um, which doesn't really help you win any games. They're uh, not it, Romanian, it, after all. It, and um, it, it doesn't, <laughs> in, because you never have an English ref when you're English. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, I was going to say, they, they <laughs> are, uh, the referees are delighted that both they're really good and England have been shit. <laughs> so yeah, it's just as well we've got um, some really great refs because they can they can now ref in finals. Um, the other element is coaching. I think English coaching is absolutely top draw, and I think the way that the Premiership coaching structures are put together is probably world leading mm. because that's the only place you can really spend the money. And when everyone's spent up to their salary cap, like most teams have this year. You need a point of difference, and it's almost always in coaching. Yeah, I I agree with that. Although I I will just because um, I know we'll be getting some angry emails from Leinster fans. Uh, Leinster only buy very specific positional talent um, players because they can't because the IRFU limits them. Yes, from, so they they do create a lot of talent. Well, I wonder what the wage bill is. Do you think it's world leading? Uh, it will probably well if they were on the open market. If those players could sign for anyone. Um, that would be just about the most expensive squad in Europe. Yeah, and one thing you have to factor in when they, if it were, low, yeah, because you're not getting the open market value for them. Yeah, yeah Leinster are not paying open they're, market They're not value. paying open market value, so the actual amount they pay may be lower. However, the incredible tax breaks that their players <laughs> get, like the eye-watering government support that, Leinster and other Irish hey, provinces. I love to see it. Is absolutely yeah. mind-boggling. Have you, have you what is, some good rugby. What is it? Something it. like an average of your top ten seasons of play you get as one tax-free lump sum. It's ridiculous. Like, the, or, or is it? Or is it? I, the, the, I don't actually know. But, I don't know but, what but it is. Are, I, was like, I, I think basically when he retired, Johnny Sexton got something like half a million quid, maybe more, just tax-free. Yeah. So there are some look. Governments around the world do this, and it always makes me laugh when you hear politicians say something like. We must support state state funded rugby. Yeah, yeah, like no, no. It's even more perverse than that. It's like we must support the the valuable UK children's um, 
animated TV industry with tax breaks. Like, why? <laughs> why? So it's a favourite ploy of all politicians around the world. Well, In I, fact, say, I would happily give. It's not just state state sponsored rugby. They've got state sponsored um, uh, tech. In Dublin, haven't they? It's like it's, like, it's, the, it's the HQ for Apple, and yeah, well, they've got some very delicious um, corporation tax rates. They do, which yeah, is, that... everyone should be doing. By yeah, the way, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely, doing that. That's I'm not. Uh, yeah, point. fine, go for it. Um, yeah, so uh, yeah, I'd be up for tax breaks for rugby players uh, in the UK, and indeed for everyone. So there you go. <laughs> yes, <laughs> <laughs> I'm with you there. And JV, if if someone did get an enormous tax break and they had some uh, additional disposable income, what? what where would they go? Oh, I don't know. I wouldn't like to blow my own trumpet, but I'd probably say Beardmore & Co. Independent Financial Advisors. That, that'd be a great place for you to visit. Got an e- email here from... Uh, this, this. I think this will move us on to one game we should have a talk about. Um, the last game that we've seen. Uh, Guillaume Cocken. Uh, contactedchases at gmail.com. Says, hi. Great. JB, always right. Blah. Uh, I'll leave the rugby chat to you, boys, as you as you hit all the key discussion points. We'll, we'll try to. Uh, but something I couldn't resist a message about was... The kits. So this is a stats, yes. Well said. Well email. said. Uh, now I can get on board with European kits, says Guillaume, and I understand the commercial side of it. However, watching Harlequins versus Racing ninety two in white and black, respectively, was a travesty. Two of the most iconic kits in club rugby, and then let's not talk. Uh, uh, let's. And then oh, well, he says, let's not talk about Bath. But I think that's where that's the other one. I would say is. Bath not being in black, white, and blue exactly. hoops. Exactly. Yeah. An outrage. And an Ulster. I, yeah. That should have that should have been the two classic kits. It should have been. But it was red and yellow. Which, if, if you if you switch it on, no one knows who those two. Yeah. Teams are. I, if, you, if you want to have a novelty kit, have it for your away games or. Yes. Well, do you know who didn't let Premiership Cup or I don't know. Um, Sale. Stuff from say basically played in their kits. Yeah. Which is exactly as it should be. Yeah. Yeah. So it should be. So. That's a spot on email because I, I was going mad about it, the bath. It's, it's only a little thing, but it does speak to like what's important. Like, yes. what we're just talking about the memories we have of the Champions Cup through the two thousands. Like the um, like I, we we would go go out for a day drinking to go and watch Champions Cup final. Yes, yeah. I don't yes. know if people do that anymore. Even I'd, rugby fans. No, probably not. Yeah, it's a good point that. Well, like, I like remember going out for a proper knees up at the yeah. bar just across from yeah, here. Yeah, yeah. Um, but maybe, maybe that, we had a whole day on the beers. I maybe it that says was Premiership final, wasn't it? We, that we, might have been there. That was, a, that was Bath yeah, Saracens. Yeah. Harlequins. No, it was Bath Saracens. Maybe it says more was about. It? Yeah, maybe it was it Bath says, Saracens. I don't know what year that was. Two thousand and six. I remember George like Ford. No, no. Points against Two thousand and ten. Bath Saracens. Twenty fifteen wasn't. Twenty fifteen. It was after we started the podcast, but yeah. Crikey. Yeah. But that it maybe says more about us. That we get fewer opportunities. Yeah, that's probably true. This time of life to that's uh, probably to, true to go out. But I hope that twenty somethings are going out all day on the beers. No, they're absolutely not. They're absolutely <laughs> not. They're not doing that. I don't think they are. They've changed. They've very much changed. Uh, so there was another email that came in, and it had a little whinge about Northampton because we spoke about Northampton after they beat Saracens. We didn't really say anything about them. I mentioned a bit of equity and diversity training, which um, people have, have been forced to go, go through. And we just said George Furbank, Furbank played well. And it was absolutely right. We didn't mention anything about Northampton. So they've beaten Saracens, and then they won their opening European game. Away, and I think this, away at Glasgow. Yeah, I think this is worth talking about. Yeah, go on. So I love, love the way that they play. I don't know how sustainable it is, but their backs are absolutely dynamite. Mm. I was watching go. So I had two thoughts about this. First thought was, I think they've got a, a potentially unsuccessful signing in Tom Pearson. 
and I can't really work out why. <clears throat> so when I've seen Tom Pearson play for Northampton so far, he hasn't really made the impact that I was hoping for. He's not the Tom Pearson that left London L- L- Irish, that's for sure. And I wondered if it's because rather than wanting ball carriers, and I've always assumed that they did want ball carriers, they actually need forwards who are very fast to the breakdown. And those are different, different sort of beasts. So Tom Pearson was on the bench this week mm-hmm. and they went fine. And not only did they go fine, like the carrying was quite good, but I thought the work around the breakdown to release the ball was excellent. And then when it gets the backs, I tell you what, this Hendy guy can really play. Like, he, really play. And he is an unusual runner as well. Yeah. He has got a very, very yeah, unique gait, but he can run. He's a deceptive um, runner and deceptive change of direction. And uh, he makes things happen. That's so he reminds me of the lads at Quinns, like Liner, uh, Murley. They just go out, fight, find find work to do, make things happen. He has some of that about him. He he's an unusual player. I, I like him. So I didn't actually see this game because I was watching my beloved um, Bordeaux. Ah. But they they have got a dynamite backline. I think Furbank is playing his best rugby that he's played for a long time. Um, Dingwall is such an important and such a solid player because he can play 12 and 13, but tw- there's not many. I mean, he's been in the England camp because there are not many um, English 12s. And the, the average age of that back line, like Alex Mitchell's the eldest is and he? George Furbank. Yeah, Alex, he must be because I'm just looking at all of them. There's no one older than Alex Mitchell and he's still quite young, isn't he? Yeah, maybe Furbank's, Furbank's 25, 27. I think he might be 26 or 27 and... Uh, Alex Mitchell's 26. So you've got two guys that... Oh, Furbank's 27. Um, so you've got Furbank and Mitchell, and then, I mean, the average age would be like 23, 24 yeah, tops. Yeah, uh, if that. Of the whole back line, if that. Yeah. All English. Yeah, so yeah. Northampton have got a real eye, I think, for spotting English talent, whether they're buying it in or they're developing it. But they've done this for a couple of generations now. So probably the best Northampton team of sort of recent times would be the... Uh, would it say the Ashton maybe a little like the Ashton, but like the Foden, um, Myler, yeah, the the one that won it, yes, the Premiership in twenty thirteen. Luther say. Burrell, yeah, big Luther, and they all came from elsewhere. They they were all and they were all bought in because of the knowledge garnered from Jim Mallander working with Steve Diamond in the England under twenty ones. Mm. So they managed to pilfer all sorts of players from sale actually at that time, which is good because it gave them an opportunity to shine and then eventually they won the premiership. Mm. But, you know, as an organisation, they always target young, young English talent. Like bringing Finn Smith in was a hell of a gamble, particularly when you've got Dan, Dan Bigger running the show. But so, yeah, we're going to give everything to this kid. Let's see how it goes. We're, and, and, we're let, treat. and let Dan Bigger go. Yeah. Smart. Well, I mean, I'd love to have him in the premiership, but still. Equally. Smith, oh, yeah. yeah, I was just going to say, Smith was... He was he'd already signed for Northampton, but his uh, arrival was accelerated. Yes, thanks to uh, the impending doom of Worcester. Equally, like you, you mentioned, Tom Pearson was on the bench, um, starting for them, and another young lock, Moon in Lockett. Oh, yep, who looks a player, and Sam Graham signed from Doncaster. Yeah, at number eight. Yeah, yeah, they've um... Angus Scott Young. He played very well. He played really well, but like no Ludlam, no Pearson, and um, they've had, they've had guys like Ratuni Yarawa go in. They don't have Alex Coles, and they've got these. They've got other players, and, and they've always had great backs. Well, for quite a number of years now, they've had great backs. But there's just I don't know. They've they've changed. They seem to me like they've changed the balance in how they play. 
They do kick a lot more. They, they do kick a lot more, and I think they're they're recognizing that they have to pick their moments. Yeah, and when it's on, so like yeah. if you're looking at, I mean, Furbank's a great barometer of how that team is going to go because when he's playing well, everything seems to click. Um, they've signed some very smart players, like Trevor Davidson coming in is quite smart to you know strengthen up the scrum. I still enjoy the fact that they do often get battered at scrum time and they always interview Matt, Matt Ferguson, Matt Ferguson yeah. who doesn't seem to have a clue what's going on or why they're getting getting battered. But nevertheless, it's, a, it's, it's always a fun time. Just on that tight head prop situation for England, which is a, a big concern, Trevor Davison is, is someone that looks okay when he, when he plays. Yeah, it's absolutely great. Very um, serviceable. You've got Nick, Nick Shonnet for Sale is looking decent when he, when he plays. Will Stewart looked good for Bath. That, there's actually players knocking around that could do a job. It's just Aaron Painter yeah. as well. Yeah, Aaron Painter, yeah. It's just picking these lads out and giving them a chance, isn't it? I mean, every one of those would have played for Wales. Yeah. Multiple yeah, times. Yeah, yeah. So just give them a chance, see what see what they've got. But in England, they're kind of determined to have the finished product before he's had a single game. And uh, who, was the, oh, the, who was the guy who started? Uh, ben Harris started for... Uh, Stormers. Oh no, that wasn't. That's not Ben Harris. I Brock saw Harris. No, I, no, it's different. Yeah, I remember seeing B Harris and going. Is that the guy that used to play for Wasps? Wasps. Yeah. But no, it's not. No, Brock Harris used to play. Oh, at, did he not play Dragons for a little while? Anyway, um, anyway it doesn't matter. It certainly does not matter. Uh, yeah, the other one yeah. I was going to mention as well is one of my favourites, which is Curtis Langdon, who they've signed from Montpellier via Worcester, and I, he is an absolute baller. I mean, he's not a. You know, he's not one of those standout players that everyone talk, talks about, but I've, I've watched this guy for a couple of years at Sale, and I absolutely loved every time he comes on. Works hard, uh, hit, hits his lineouts, deceptively strong, but he's just not a superstar or a big name in the same way Aka van der Merwe is, or Augustine Creevy, or uh, in fact, Luke, any Luke of the Sale hookers. Yeah, Luke, Luke Cowan Dickey, Tommy <laughs> Taylor. I mean, they're, they're, you know, so you are going to struggle there, but he is a great addition to them because it's exactly what they needed. Uh, talking of big players delivering on big stages, like he was up against one of the most talked about players in his in, in his position on earth, and he was the boy, Henry Slade, mm. opposite Naya Thalevu, and what a hero that man is! Yeah, and Rob Baxter, what a job! That to go away to Toulon and win in the manner that they won. Yeah, I did not see that result. coming at all. No. Definitely not. Nobody understands it... rugby fully. Just nobody does. No matter how much they tell you that they know the game. But the closest you can come to understanding rug- rugby is understanding that you don't understand it. <laughs> right? It doesn't matter. Right? But what Rob Baxter does do is he understands the, the most important bits intrinsically. Like Whatever lens he sees this game through is just different to everyone else. Um, that is a win for the ages. And you could tell, by the way, that the players celebrated. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I just hope, watching those scenes at the end when... Henry Slade got messed around yeah. uh, before that kick. Ice cold. Sl- slotted it. The celebration, what I was just ho- thinking and hoping was that that isn't like the highlight of Exeter's um, Champions Cup season, stealing an away win and then it's all downhill from I, there. I agree. Do you know what I thought you were about to say for a second? Seeing those celebrations, Henry Slade being messed about, having to move the ball, then... St- st- I thought you were going, I was hoping that would be the moment the cock tap made a return. Uh. <laughs> I did think. I was looking. <laughs> that would be a good time, boys. If ever there's a time for the cock tap to as come they back. they all grouped around him. Yeah. The, the Exeter situation reminds me of the NFL. Do you know, Sometimes in the NFL, they've just got a group of players and they're just all too good to stay in the same place 
for any length of time, even though they've developed them and they've got to pick the one which they really want. And it's hard because to keep Henry Slade, you've got to get rid of everybody, it would seem. Yeah. So, yeah. The, uh, the, Simmons, Cohen, the Simmons brothers, yeah. Cowan, Dickey, Noel. Jack Noel. Ewers. Hoggy went. Yeah. Big, oh, Flaherty already went. Yeah, big debut. Ewers. Ewers, Hill. Ewers, Simmons. Yeah, Johnny Armand. Hill, God. Johnny Hill. Yeah. Uh, Sam Skinner. So many yeah. others. It's incredible. Harry Williams. Is Harry Williams gone? Yeah, Montpellier. Bloody hell. Yeah, so they've had to rebuild. The, so one guy is more import, important than all the, than all of those, and it seems to be Henry Slade is the boy. Oh, oh. Jan- Janice Kirsten went as well. Yes, he did. Yeah, so the, you know, the amount of lads that they've lost is incredible. So this is a proper rebuild. D- Daffith Jenkins was heroic in the pack as well. L- mm. Captain and playing like a... Playing like Alan Wynne Jones would have done when at he was twenty. What point do we, oh, and Hawkins seems to be yeah. a very good addition yeah. for them. But at what point do they say to David Jenkins, "You can't play for Wales"? Because they, they they must row back on that when he extends that contract or signs a new one. They must row back on it. But they, it's the WRU. They will force him to go to Wales for a market market rate offer. And Jazunda too. So when no, yeah. I think um, market, I, I think if they hold their own and stay in Exeter. The RFU will, RFU, WRU will have to um, relent. They just can't afford to lose a lock of that quality. But Locks, it's, it's the WRU, though. Like, if, if, it, was a fools, logical, if it was a logical organisation, then I agree with you. They are fools, aren't they? <laughs> fools of the highest order. But mm. it, it will. Like Exeter, unfortunately, those two, um, obviously Hawkins, they've bought in. But Daffy Jenkins and Chris Tashunza are getting amazing experience in Exeter. They are learning from one of the, the great rugby brains in Baxter, and then the WRU are going to force them to go back to Wales. Yeah. Well, you know, and they're learning the right things. I mean, that's what Baxter does. He identifies the right things. When you talk about rugby, he obviously understands it at a deep, deep level, but it's able to make it incredibly simple. Do you know what I loved most? That my favourite bit about watching that Exeter game was Rob Baxter when they scored what turned out to be the winning try, but the conversion was actually what they needed to win the game. Mm. And Rob Baxter wrapped up his headphones, shook hands with all of his coaches, had a big smile on his face before Henry Slade had kicked. Either he's got that much confidence in Henry Slade, it was like, well, that kick's done. Or the result was immaterial to Rob Baxter. And he was just like, it was actually, they gave the performance that I wanted. And so whether this kick goes over or not, I don't really mind. Yeah, yeah. And I love that about Rob Baxter. Well, it yeah. is a classic example of control your controllables. What's he going to do? Like, miss. If Henry Slade misses and he throws Steve Diamond Desk his headset across the crowd. <laughs> Which was a glorious decision actually. <laughs> like what is that ball gonna go over? I miss no. I miss Dimes. So do I. I I mean he was on the telly last weekend but I do uh, I do miss him just every week. It was absolutely doing privilege. that little that doing that little tick he does with yeah. his mouth and like just getting so angry. Getting really angry. <laughs> Yeah. And he sits so near um, the civilians, like uh, dangerously near, dangerously near the civilians. Like it's well, that's one really cool thing about going to sail. If you're lucky, you'll get a seat or unlucky, whichever way you're looking. Yeah. At, you'll get a seat near Steve Diamond, and it's almost more entertaining than watching the it match. It was like the Steve Diamond show. Like yeah. if you're within ten meters of him, everyone's looking at Diamond. Like, oh, what's Diamond going to do? What's, what's he going to say? Who's going to batter? <laughs> and there was like an extra the, the anticipation I would have. Knowing I'd be interviewing Dimes after a game, yeah, and like, oh, what mood's he going to be in? Oh no, they've just lost. He's going to be fuming. We, we need him de- desperately we, back, running a we, club or a nation or a nation. Yeah, a nation would be great. Give give him a national job. Uh, yes. So, so fair play, Henry Slade, and uh, I think we just positionally, the two best performing thirteens in England at the moment are Henry Slade 
and Ollie Lawrence. Ollie Lawrence is a different grave, isn't he? He is a 13, though. Yeah, as we is. keep saying, is he going to be another... Uh, it's not quite the same as a 10 to 12, like Farrell to 12, but is he going to be... He is still, nevertheless, at 12, a slightly a square peg in a slightly round hole. Yep. Yep, I completely agree with that. I don't think... I mean, he works wonderfully with Redpath because Redpath's a great player. Henry Slade looks like more of a 12 to me than a 13 for England, but he is definitely more of a 13. I mean, how has England produced so many high-quality 13s and just nobody notes a 12? And Northampton are now cultivating Tommy Freeman in that position as well. Yeah, so you could have Freeman. I mean, I know March is not available, but he is a class act. Absolutely class. Marchant, Lawrence, Slade, Freeman and, and the rest. Yep. So many. Yeah, it is funny as well, though, because it depends what you want from your 12 and 13. And they're, they're a very different... So, like, Henry Slade and, say, Sam James, who are... They play 13. That is their position. They are wildly different to... Don't forget Manu. Well, I was going to say, they're wildly different to, say, Ollie Lawrence or Manu Tuolagi, who are 13s as their primary position. And they're different to Marchant, who is a 13 as his primary position. They all have slight overlaps, but if you drew the, the Venn diagram of Sam James and Slade, Manu and Ollie Lawrence and Marchant, it would all be slightly different. Can you just hold that thought? I need to nip out. <laughs> okay. Okay, I'll uh, put a little marker there. Someone get a red cross back for your sofa. <laughs> Are we still recording or just paused? Oh, I've put a marker in. We can carry on. Yeah, we can carry on. Oh, yes, I'm sure. Oh, some, something stirring out there. No, no it's fine. Um, yeah, so what Steve Borthwick does with his centre position at Six Nations time, I don't know, but both of those guys have to be involved. Yeah, and he, he no longer has the option of Farrell getting moved out to 12. No. Which which might be a good thing, Take takes that off the table. But, uh, but I think he's going to put Lawrence... At 12. At 12. I think so. Which, I, I get it, it might be a... it might, But it, it's, a, it's a compromise again, because Lloyd Lawrence is playing so well. Because, well, not because he's at 13. He always plays really well at 13. Yeah. And if, do- if, if we're going to list the uh, English qualified 12s... Dingwall. Dingwall. Um, Manu was playing 12 this week, wasn't he? Yeah, Manu... Manu, but I don't. I don't think. I. I think the the Manu t- time is over now. I think Manu, Dingwall, Ajomo. Ajo- uh, yeah, but Ajomo didn't play this week, did he? No, he didn't play this week. So oh, who played? Path. Yeah, yeah. I'm just thinking from this week. You had Atkinson playing in the Challenge Cup. Um, yes, Seb Atkinson. Oh, Dan Kelly, did he play? Uh, I didn't. Just, I didn't really watch the last game. No, nor me. Uh, it was no Solomon Akata. There you go. Um, So Dan Kelly was on the bench. And Dan Kelly, from what I've seen of him this year, I don't think he's stepped up in the way that I'd want him to. No. Um, I'm not saying he won't, and he's clearly a talented lad, but he he wouldn't be the front runner. That's all right. He's nipping out in 15 minutes. Uh, Is this your apple uh, treat? Yeah, I've made like an apple-based dessert of some description. I can't really describe it, but it's very nice. So I just need it's in the oven for. Oh, I thought it was some like weird eating thing where you have to eat every fifteen minutes. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> this some like um, 
high calorie burn technique or something. Sadly not. I wish it was because I do need to burn some calories bloody quickly. <laughs> well, bloody quickly. Uh, fr- friend of the pod, Eddie Stevens, says the carnivore diet in, in, um, in chunks of time, like do a month of that and you just melt fat. I tell you what. I would be so miserable on, on, on a carnivore diet. It sounds great. Sounds great. Like, oh, I'll have bacon for breakfast, Ooh. steak for tea. Eggs? I'm allowed eggs? Sure, I'm allowed eggs. Uh, carnivore eggs? Are you allowed eggs? Oh, that would be sure. Sounds pretty ca- carnivorous <laughs> to me. You've got to crunch through the shells. Yeah. <laughs> like, ribeye steak every, every night. What's there not to like? Oh, y- your entire life. <laughs> uh, you can have uh, all meats and fish, eggs... Bone marrow, butter, and lard. As, oh, get uh, some bone marrow. As well as small amounts of hard cheese and heavy cream. <laughs> yeah, okay. No. Well, if you can have cream and eggs, that means you can knock... Oh, you can't have pasta. I was going to say you can knock up a carbonara. No, but, you can't. Apparently it's going to be miserable. So, so if England had to pick a 12 from just this game week um, of starting English qualified 12s, it's uh, Dingwall... Or Manu. Or Manu. Dingwall. Or, or um, Seb Atkinson. Seb Atkinson's a, a great player. I, I, I would have Dingwall. I, I would have I Dingwall. Do, I, I like Dingwall. Just get an expert in there. Like, he is, he's playing there week in, week out. They play nice rugby. He's a good operator. Just needs an opportunity. Give it to him. Give it Dingwall to the end of the season. I'm actually with you there. We, it needs to be a specialist. And I, th- I think I kind of agree with Dingwall because Manu is very effective at what he does. But again... I he's best when he's at 13. He spent his whole career at 13 until he went to sale. Yeah. Fair enough, he's been there for a couple of years. But um, And is Manu making the next World Cup? No. Nope. So, yeah, time, it is It is although, finally time although, to wean off. Although I am going to just say, I don't... Uh, who's <laughs> yeah. going to make the next World Cup is it's, not what yeah. is in my mind. I want to win the Six Nations. Mm. Which is a good point. Which is yeah. also a good so, point. So, TV's best pundit, Easily best pundit. Um, Austin Healy. Austin Healy. Yeah. Was raving about Freeman. Absolutely raving about him. Where d- does he rank in your 13 ratings? I, I, would, would I, I would just like to say this is something I've been saying should happen for a long, for quite a long time on the podcast. Well, and, what's that? And on YouTube videos. Please, Tommy Freeman, move to centres. I did say he should be England's answer to 12. Oh, I don't know about 12, though. It feels a, like a waste. He's a big lad. He is huge, but he's so explosive, and his running ability, I can't really see it being of much use at 12. Why would you want him at 12? Because he's because of his size. Because of his size and skill set. I mean, Jamie Roberts started on the wing. Yeah, mm. and, you, and you look at the great centres around world rugby, and this is the one thing I'd say against Dingwall international level, Dialende and Esther Hazen for South Africa, Geordie Barrett for New Zealand, Dante for France. These, these are these are Aki for Ireland. Yeah, the top five teams have all got big men. Yeah, the problem is with that is just because you're a big man doesn't necessarily mean you play like one. No, but exactly. But Tommy Freeman is a big man with skills. That's that's why. I'm, yeah, I, I would love to see it. I'd, well, I'd love to go back in time and have Ben Earl continue at centre where he started. But I, well, mm. I think he'd probably move there right now and be all right. Um, it, you do run the risk as many players have had happened to them in the past. When you're super talented, they move they move around far too much. Actually, happens Austin Healy happened. Mm. Henry Slade, Henry Slade, yeah. Henry Slade's only really just recovering now. He should have been a ten, should have been a fullback, should have been a twelve. Now he's finally is a thirteen. But the pick a position for Freeman, stick him there for the long term. 
That's 13, fine, but it has to happen. Well, I, I was actually going to compare him to another English player, um, English and British and Irish Lion, who has been moved around the positions, um, and uh, it, he was better for it, uh, Elliot Daly. Oh, you weren't, you weren't going to say Rob Dupree? Uh, <laughs> is he English qualified? He probably, he probably is, is now, is English yeah. qualified. Um, yeah, he could do an Elliot, Elliot Daly style rule. That'd be nice. You um, can never have too many Elliot Dailies. That's yeah. for sure. So I, I think that's where Tommy Freeman, he could play a bit of 13, but could also do a job at 15 and on the wing. I yeah. think he's got a lot, lot of similarities that's with a good Daly. Shout. But in terms of the ranking, 13, is that what you asked? Yes. Um, Oli would... Lawrence is number one at the moment. Oli Lawrence or Henry Slade, number one. Number one. Agreed. 1A, one 1B. One they're different, I think different that, types. I think they're probably going to play 12 and 13, but yeah. who wears what position? And you might find that uh, Lawrence defends inside but attacks outside. Or yes, you you can make those two work. Definitely, make definitely those two work. make those work. But yeah, I'd, I think I'd love to see Freeman in the squad. I'd I'd probably he wouldn't be far off starting uh, one of the wing berths for me. Yeah, get your best players on the field, and he is definitely one of the best English backs at the moment. Yes, because the starters in the World Cup were Johnny Main, Elliot Daly. Yeah, in the wing rules. Um, Certainly, Johnny May won't be playing for England again. I don't think. Nope. Um, Elliot Daly probably still can, but he might. He'll be thirty-five at the next World Cup. So, I, I do agree with your point, Tim. Elliot Daly is one of the best two wingers for England right now, and therefore he should be playing. But you need to think ahead as well. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Hmm. Uh, next game. Do you uh, want to talk about sale? I- so I watched that. You talk about because I I didn't I saw Manu's hit because uh, it was it was not kind of on in the background but I wasn't really paying much attention. It wasn't really even the best hit of the day, was it not? No, um, uh, the, Ethan it, Roots on putting an absolutely oh no not Ethan Roots yeah that's what? the guy at sale blindside no, 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 no. no that's Ethan Roots is Exeter. Exeter no who's the six uh, at, Rune van oh, Rind or what yeah yeah what, um, the the shot that he put in well, well, the one Doug, I liked Doug was, the... was it was Doug Dale and. Curry and Dupree in the back row, wasn't it? Start with, yeah. And then Dupree came off early with an injury. Beaumont comes on. Uh, oh, yeah. Which one was it? It was. Well, I don't know, but the one I want to talk about is the ward hit. He read. Uh, oh, they, I think it might have been Dogdale. Has he changed his haircut? Uh, possible. Bit. I think it might have been Dogdale I saw. Dogdale, Dogdale's a hard boy. He, uh, he, he is, is a hard Someone boy. smashed someone. <laughs> I remember that. So Facts. The, someone absolutely like <laughs> en- marmalised someone else. So the smashing that I saw was Jeremy Ward smashing George Ford. Absolutely levelled him on a, on like... A, I don't know how people have not done this to Johnny Sexton his whole career, but they tried to do like a little wraparound. Sales... <laughs> what? Well, sales attack bad. I'm going to say it was bad. Like they had no real cutting edge. Twenty eight points in the first half. Okay. Uh, so the first half was I think nine five or something. I can't remember. Yeah, six five. Yeah, something like that. And Sale had the majority of the possession. Like they should really be putting three or four tries on Stafrancé. Looking at how they went, I don't know what sort of team. Stafrancé put out. So I looked up every single player that they had. I literally do not know a single one. Of these players, I think there was only one, maybe two players that started last weekend's win against Toulouse. Is that right? Yeah. And then another problem. It was a, it was a second string Stade Francais team. Yeah, but there's a much bigger problem with Stade Francais and me picking a team at the moment. Do you know what that bigger problem is? You just love Sale too much. No, it flashed to the crowd. Guess, guess who was coaching? Stade Francais. 
I do know this. Stade Francais is Paul Gustard involved. It is Paul it's Gustard. Gustard. I, like, I yeah. can't support them. <laughs> I can't. I honestly have a not a low opinion. Yeah, mate, I would say a low opinion. <laughs> I just don't think he's the coach for me. Like, a team's got to have an identity. When you're busy trying to carve bears in the uh, Harlequins training ground and, and land attack helicopters when you're getting roundly beat most weekends, you would love not, an attack helicopter. I mean, I would. Yeah. I mean, providing my lineups are on point. Yeah, get me an attack helicopter. So, so which French team are you hedging towards now? I don't know. I was very close to saying, yeah, Stade Francais, but as soon as I saw Guzzi in his, in his pink hat, I thought, no. No, 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 no. They are, well, they are, that was a second string team. They are currently top of the top 14. Interesting. Okay, so just a few more things on Paul Gustard before we go. Um, I've seen Paul Gustard in action. So I used to always watch sorry, sorry, they're fourth in the top fourteen, one point behind Racing. Thank you. Anyway. So I was um sat in the in the gantry and you basically it's you and the opposition coaches at sale, right? Right mm-hmm. right at the top. And um the way he talks to the press and the way he behaves when watching his team is completely different. And, and it's not like a personal criticism, but it is completely, completely different. So do you know they say, oh, it's about empowering players. Oh, we don't talk about what they do on the pitch. It's their decision. But when you watch him in person, watching the games, like, why did he do that? He knows not to do that. Like, it's a completely different guy. And then his press conferences were weird because he never, he never sat, sat down. Did, did you see that, Tim? No. So Gustard, after every press conference, doesn't sit down. So most coaches sit down and they ask the questions. Gustav would come in and he'd stand up and gets everyone to gather around him so no one's too comfortable and then leaves again. And then again, so they've all do, got to hold mics in his face. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Well, you have to hold mics in their face anyway, really. Well, you no, know, because you just put them on no, the desk. Oh, yeah, yeah, put them on, on the, the desk. desk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah fair. So you've got to hold these mics. Power next move. I, no, th- no. I thought that would be something you'd quite, quite like no, about no, him. That would make you endear him to you. It's not that I don't like it. It's just an interesting fact. Mm. Uh, I'm not over keen about all the flowery language and attack helicopters. Just tell us what you think, Paul. Like, and, if you want them to do certain things, just say that. And I would, I'm never going to criticise a, a coach for being different up in the gantry to in front of the cameras. I don't know about that, because when you're talking about... William, it, it's not... I understand that you're, if you don't say a word, like say you're Steve Borthwick, you obviously know there's a different layer behind that guy, right? You just know that. But when you present this other layer of... Yeah, it's about player empowerment and, you know, we make them do the decisions. It's all about them taking ownership. And then actually you can hear him shouting like, why aren't they not doing the things which I told them to do five minutes ago? That is a completely, it's like a juxtaposition. It's well, completely yeah, different. Rob Baxter is total open book. Yeah. Complete the same. Pat Lamb is as well. Uh, yeah. Um, uh, In my experience, he is. <laughs> yeah, there was there was the incident at Leicester. I mean, yeah, wasn't he, yes, yeah, he with is the, openly. With the inter- Everyone has moments. Don't he, he is openly in, in, insincere. <laughs> uh, he is definitely brothers and all the rest of it. Grow up, love brother. No, I think grow up. I think he. I think he, love. I think that's that's sincere. I, I wonder what I, his players. Are I think about. that is sincere. If it wasn't yeah, sincere, actually, if, from what I've heard, it is quite it, sincere. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I don't know what you mean there. <laughs> uh, Mark McCall's very measured, and he's, yeah. oh, he's still very quiet and calm and collected, but I imagine his players see a very different side to him. Oh, yeah, yeah. And again, that's just the media face, and that's absolutely fine. If you don't want to play your cards, I mean, it is, it is fine. It's It's got pros and cons. Maybe they think they're best to be God, I think you're best to be more open. Steve Diamond is literally Steve Diamond all of the time, times 100. <laughs> <laughs> uh, same for Samson, to, to be fair. Yeah. I mean, Sanderson does come out with all those sort of TED Talky type things constantly, no matter where he is. 
Shall we talk about another English team? Go on. Uh, and one that I watched intently and was devastated with the last, say, 10, 15 oh, minutes. Oh, you're proud Ulsterman. Oh, it was a good game, this. Um, it, it, all of the games this weekend were in tricky conditions. Uh, this was in tricky conditions. But Ulster. So Bath, bit of an arm wrestle. Bath scored after 20 or so, 25 minutes. Um, with a great pass from Spencer off the back of a rook for Fokner Singer to dot down. And then Ulster came back into it, scored two tries before half-time, go in at the break, 14-8, and were kind of very much in the game, um, starting to get pressure build up on them from the line-out, from the scrums, towards the last 20 minutes. And then the floodgates just opened, and it was three or four tries in the last 10 minutes, not helped by the, I think it was a Timoney, was it Timoney, or was it one of the subs, yellow card, oh no, Matty Rea, Matty Rea, yellow card, with 15 minutes to go, and it, it looks like an absolute hiding, on the scoreline, but it, it was, Ulster should have got something out, be it, um, or they really should have got, um, a losing bonus point, out of that game, so disappointing, but the flip side of that is when Bath do get some opportunity, when they do manage to cut loose, either through that um, Spencer pass to Thokner Singer or the the other Thokner Singer try or the Matt Gallagher try at the end, they look dynamite. Mm. The, that back line is so, so yeah, good. Yeah, the, the pass over the top by Finn Russell, just some mega pass. I think maybe the first try? Can't remember the, f- the first try was a Spencer. It was like a miss three. Yeah, it was a Spencer. It was Spencer. It was Barbary picked up off the back of Rook, but just took like one step and pops it to Spencer. Yeah. That was an amazing pass. So, I mean, what it is to be a Bath fan at the moment, I do not mm. know. Years of misery followed by this. I wonder if the Bath players are looking at each other now saying, we are good players, aren't we? Like, this is what we're meant to be doing. Because they are good players and they've played awfully for two years now. Maybe three. Uh, I think the good, they're building some real momentum. The good thing about Bath as well, um, which is not necessarily something you can say about Northampton, who are another side who are going well and had success this week and have got good young talent, Bath have actually got a really solid tight five as well. Yes, they have. And it was it was their scrum and line-outs that ultimately created the room and created the pressure for them to run in the, the last three or four tries. And... So one stat that Nick Mullins gave during this game was when Tom Dunn um, scored off the back of a rolling mall, which is very bath, very predictable. So they've scored 50% of their tries in the Premiership from lineouts from rolling malls. Incredible. So And their scrum pressure, particularly when uh, Thomas de Toy came on and Tian Schumann, um, the scrum pressure was massive. Yeah. Um, and they, they've got legitimate depth in that uh, front row. They've got two big units in the second row, and then they've got options in that back row. So looking at this team, it's very English. Until, I mean, the whole pack is English. <clears throat> until you bring the bench on. And the bench, they've got one one Scot. Will, Will Muir sounds like he should be Scottish. Three Scots and Mike Gallagher. And then the bench is just South Africa. South Africa, yeah. Oh. Bench, Schrader, Schumann, Detoy, Van Veltzer, Kurtzia. Yeah, pretty South African. Very, very South African. It works, though. It it certainly does. Works a treat. And ask, ask. Um, you had Marty Moore, 
um, Stephen Kitsoff and Robbie Herring, um, so all international front rowers, scrumming late on against, um, I think at that point it was Obano, Dunn and Thomas Tatoy, and the three um, the three international um, Irish of Ulster players were having a torrid time. And it's not like they were, it, Ulster's a small pack. Like behind them, you've got Alan O'Connor, you've got Henderson, who's massive. You've got big Dave Ewers supporting, who's 130 kg. Yeah, he's a big, big boy. So when that Bath scrum is putting pressure on, on Ulster, it is a sign of strength, a real sign of strength. Mm. And they can do the, the wide stuff, they can do the fancy stuff, and they can do the tough stuff at the moment. Christ. Finn Russell seems like one brilliant signing now. So, he, yeah. he is. the he's, yeah. he's just put it all into place. Finn Russell, and he, Finn Russell was imperfect. Finn Russell does... Finn Russell things and some of his kicks were shaky and some of his offloads were at the wrong time. But he's given, it, it does feel like he's given them the confidence to say, no, we are actually a good player. Like, yeah. we, we can do this. Since that's good. Yeah. Right. Uh, what was scribbled in Steve Borthwick's notebook? Which names were in his notebook? He was there at that game watching. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we know, we've talked about Ollie Lawrence already and he was impressive again. Yeah. But, but surely he was looking at Ben Spencer? Possibly. Well, it depends what, well, 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 was not there. Alfie Barbary. Barbary's an interesting one. There was a good piece. A Barno? Yes. A Barno could be a good shout. Yeah, yeah. 100% Barno, I think. A Barno, is a, he, he's, a, he's very low centre of gravity, but enormous mass and good scrummager. The I, boring I, answer, unfortunately, is going to be Will Stewart. That's going to be the most important piece of that jigsaw on the field. Probably Barbary could be... Well, we know Ben Earl. We've got no, England's, England's starting Wigland back row at the gone. World Cup in the World Cup semi-final Curry is gone. unavailable. Yeah, yeah Moore's gone. Barbary, Barbary. So there was an Alex Lowe piece. I think it was Alex Lowe this week comparing Barbary stats to uh, other Premiership back rowers since Barbary made his debut uh, three, four years ago, um, and he, he compares very favourably across a whole spectrum. So meters made with ball in hand, tries, try assists. Um, Yards after contact, he's in the top one or two um, against all of his the comparable players, including Don Brandt, including yeah. Ben Earl, including Ludlam, um, including a brace of Curries. Yeah, so it's, ever, it's a slightly different player, but actually, in terms of significant impacts, not quite as explosive as Ben Earl, but fairly similar in terms of the way he's bigger. involved in I mean, games. I had some yeah, he is big. He's, he's at least 10 kg bigger yeah. than Ben Earl. I mean, I had some least. queries about his conditioning when he came back. Seems to find himself out. He has remained consistent. I would love to see him in a, against a team which would give him no space because he just isn't very big. I mean, he he's big-ish. He's big for a scaffolder. Well, no, he, he is big. Was he, 110? 100, I think he's listed at 116 that, okay, kilos. Okay, he is big. Which, but he's which, not tall. He's not tall. No, he's not he's tall. Six one maybe? So the six, England's, I think England's back row for the Six Nations is going to be Underhill 7, yep. but Barbary 8. I don't know who else it's, it could be at 8. Do you know, the player that I would have in England's back row, who's not playing at the moment, but I think is an absolute quality act, is another Bathman, Ted Hill. I was going to say he's this, injured though isn't he's, he? in, he's injured but I was going to say it could be at one point in the future an all bath back row but it, the six is going to need to be a line out option and so I think it'll probably end up being Martin or Chesham George Martin's a cracking Martin, shout Martin's injured at the moment as well isn't yeah. he um, not mentioned Tom Pearson 
who, yep. I mean, he's a bigger lad. Maybe not really the lineup option, but someone that I've, I'd consider. In the squad, consider. But I think it's going to be Underhill Barbary plus a lock playing on the flank. Or Ben Curry. Could be. Ben Curry's a decent shout. Then you, you don't have a lineup option if you have those. Three. Well, Tom Curry is actually the lineup option for England. Mm. Uh, but so is that's, Courtney that's, Laws. Yeah, that's, that is because you've got Courtney Laws plus two second rows plus Marrow plus Chesham. Or Marrow. Shift. You could put Marrow out there. He wants six. That's not a bad option, it's you know. It's not a bad shout. And you've got um, just find another monstrous second row then. But you can never have enough big big men on a rugby field. I mean, if South Africa has taught us one thing, if it's not going to be big, it needs to be violent. <laughs> so you need one of those. Two. If you can get both, it's ideal. <laughs> but one of the, one of the two. So are they big or are they violent? Barbie's pretty violent. He is violent. Yeah, I'll give him that. Ludlam's nice and violent. He's, yeah. vi- he's violent enough that he caught, he inflicts many injuries <laughs> upon yeah. himself just you know, from the way that he plays. Do you know who's not a bit violent, like Sam Underhill? But, like that. A, but, but probably England's best player is actually Ben Earl. He doesn't strike me as a particularly violent guy. Oh, powerful, yeah. explosive, but it's not so like, explosive. You wouldn't want to like a front on tackle against Ben Earl. Would I be, wouldn't want to tackle any uh, of these would, boys. <laughs> no, you wouldn't want to tackle any of them. But Ben Earl, particularly the <laughs> way the way that he runs, he's all knees and elbows. I wouldn't want to tackle him. Quite like. Quagga Smith is the benchmark yeah. for violence on yeah. a field. So, you know, you've got to think, think like Underhill. Underhill's violent. I'll tell you three players that we've not mentioned, or at least two players that we've not mentioned who might be in for a shout for England, who were playing in uh, possibly the best game of the weekend. Oh, that's a, Will Evans. Yeah, so Harlequins, the back row for Harlequins was um, Don Brandt, yeah. number eight, we've not mentioned. Will Evans, number seven, we've not mentioned. And Ken- Chandler, Chandler Cunningham South. Yes, he is a baller. He's only twenty, um, but he is—he's a big, strong boy, mm-hmm. and he can play as well. Yeah, he can. I really like um, Kenningham, who they've got there too. Yeah, who's been injured for a little while. He is big, and he is a lineup. He option. is a lineup option. Yeah, yeah. Chandler South or C- Chandler Cunningham, Cunningham South. Right, I need to get this right. Give him time. Yeah, he's Let's just throw him in. I'm thinking of his the age. Kids in, Tim, you always say Chandler Cunningham in. South is twenty. Yep. Means he was born in. Uh, he's nineteen ninety three. Ninety. Oh, sorry, it's ninety three. Two thousand and three. Which means that Friends had been around for nine years by then. So he was blatantly <laughs> named after Chandler from Friends. Yeah, hundred uh, percent, uh, uh, <laughs> without a shadow of a doubt. I, I had a situation where I, I did look at and go, "Oh, police look younger these days." When I was, oh my god, oh, no. police officers look so young. Hey, did I tell you there's a criminal running through my back garden? Yeah, you did. You mentioned it on last yeah. week's pod. Yeah, gave chase. Was there? Well, a, was there? Good, good, good chase. Yeah. <laughs> It's your dream. Stood isn't at the it? back door and shook, shook your fist. Uh, well, the door's locked. I couldn't find the keys in time. Oh. <laughs> I'd be straight out there, like Batman. Yeah, vigilante exactly. justice. What yeah. a win that was in the Thunderdome by by Quinns, by the way. Oh yeah, are, um, I need to, uh, Are you going to come to the Thunderdome? Oh, stop. Yes. Stop. I'm going to check my. Oh yeah, check your dessert. apple dessert. Well, I'll ask Phil. Are we? Are we are yes. We, are we doing the Thunderdome? Definitely. Awesome. Definitely. So is that the, about the 25th of twenty? It's the 25th of. I'll, I'll have a look. It's the. Uh, yeah, we're going to be having a little bit of an egg chasers away day. Um, helped by friend of the pod Lewis, oh, who's an all-round legend, uh, and it's it's Racing versus Toulouse, Saturday exciting. Saturday the twenty seventh of January. Very excited, and um, I don't know if has Lewis been in touch. Uh, he mentioned it a little while ago, We've but not got, since then. But yes, he definitely keen. All you need to do, all you need to do, is get yourself to Paris. That's all you need to do. Perfect, which is amazing. Uh, so yeah, I we'll can be, get to Paris. Yeah. So we'll have to do the pod. I'm, st- I'm st- we'll do it. We'll manage it. We'll manage it. We'll manage it. 
Um, but yeah, what a win for Quinns. It was, was a, it was a hell awesome. of a game. That that was the game was dynamic because you sometimes say like some of these games where it is the real arm wrestle and there's all this pressure, like the Leinster win in in La Rochelle in horrible conditions, filthy. Some of them, the pressure of the situation means that both teams are too afraid to make any mistakes. Therefore, it ends up being quite a low scoring game. This was just the complete opposite. Yeah. Both teams were putting in incredibly physical hits, but they were both teams just want to play from anywhere. It was so exciting. Yeah, 17-14 at half-time with two converted tries each, just one penalty being the only difference between the sides. A drop goal. A drop sorry. goal. A, not a penalty, a drop, drop goal. goal. From nearly 50 metres as yes, well. Yes, I know. Smith hanging out with uh, Ford and Farrell too much. Yeah. It's rubbing off, isn't it? So that, yeah. that drop goal was... The, was the difference? It was the difference because it was four four conver- tries, four, four converted tries each. By the way, with um, in the too long game, Baptiste Saran went off with a really nasty looking shoulder injury. I think his shoulder popped out completely, so and he was looking very fragile. So, without Dupont, I was thinking Saran might be the boy. But it'll be my boy, Luku. It well, it could be Luku or Legaric. Was pretty yeah. handy for Racing. He's I mean, a young guy coming through, scoring a hat trick. A hat trick, yeah. Does always help, but he's been he's been good for a while now, and he seems to have kind of taken the reins at at Racing, mm. and they're top of the top fourteen. So yeah, they oh, how do they make so many good players in that position, especially in France? I know it really, we're we're bemoaning the fact that England can't make a single or hardly make a single twelve, and France have just got number nines. Why did Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Different position, but they just create them, come from all over the place. In my beloved Bayon, they had uh, Maxime Machino still knocking around. Knocking around, he must be 35 or something. Is it um, an Aprizid? Oh, well, it's not French, but Aprizid was on the bench. Scrum off. Oh, yeah, sorry. Is it Camille Lopez at Bayonne as well? Is he? Uh, yes, he's there. Yeah, he's that the is an old. Yeah, that is an ancient nine. Yeah. Oh, experienced nine. Experienced, quite right. Quite right. Oh, is he tending to his apple? Is that is that Jay just out there? Maybe I don't know. Someone. Um, yeah, I thought this was an awesome game, and to, and to win it in the way they did, camped on their own line, yeah, down, down to fourteen men, and for, yeah, down to fourteen men, but then forced the knock on, wasn't it? Right at the end, yeah, I, I, I thought they defended brilliantly. Um, obviously, the tries kind of got them, but 
and Harlequins took their opportunities so, so well. It was such an exciting game. And Marcus Smith did look phenomenal in that game. He really did. From his drop goal, from how he controlled um, territory and built pressure onto Racing 92, to some of his line breaks. Um, I mean, for his try, the step back inside where where Khaleesi overchased Khaleesi, Saeli, and I think it was Le Garrett. I've heard Khaleesi's quite good at rugby. So, yeah. Yeah, not bad. Not bad at rugby. I mean, he he had a few nice... disaster. Ruined it? Absolute disaster. What what happened? (laughs) Can you bring some down to me? Tim can try. No, it's not burnt. Um, It's too sweet. Too too sweet. I'll be the judge of that. That's an oxymoron. It's fallen to pieces. (laughs) As I took... You may tip out. It's going to be the perfect shape of the mould. I've used too much caramel. (sighs) Too much caramel. Story of my life. So, yeah. are you throwing it in the bin, or are you going to give me and fill a little slice before we go? Well, I'm waiting for it to cool down. So it just it, when I tipped it over, it just all spread out. Do you know, like um, yeah, blancmange? Yeah. So I put it back in its mold, waiting for it to cool down. Hopefully, as it cools, it might it's, stick. Yeah, solidifies. But it's a desire. It's a desire. I'll be making a new one tomorrow. Well, <laughs> it's, it's a weekend of this one. Is this a cheat day food, or is no, this? I saw it on, on, on. Do you know when you're looking at Instagram? No, you're, you're not, you're I, I don't do Instagram. I'm not, so honestly. the thing I love about Instagram is two things. Lifting, CrossFit, lifting. Yeah. lifting. <laughs> Watch it all day long, right? Um, even though I'm watching the same weights, the same people over and over again. Who knows? Also, the recipes. If I see a recipe that I like, I'll just make it and feed it to other people. So, yeah, I've tried to make this apple dessert. D- disaster. Absolute disaster. Did you see, speaking of Olympic lifting, did you see, we were out, JB and I were out last night. Uh, there was a girl in the bar that you joined us in, uh, yes. Society, who was wearing an Illico. Toshi. Yeah, yeah. They could the um, very nice um, if you Olympic know, you weightlifting. Know. We have a we have. There's a listener um, who works for Elico. Yes, there is, isn't there? Emailed us, but the I, and he did, he's done what he can, but he's only able. To, he, they're so expensive. They're so expensive. They're so so expensive. expensive. Even so even it. his like. Well, there's this little discount. No, yeah. <laughs> thank you, but yeah, no, twenty percent off a million pounds yeah. is still too much money. If I had all the money in the world. I would kit my gym out with only Alico stuff. It yeah. is so cool. I love the fact they only do three colours. Like, it's awesome. You've got pine, you've got blue, you've got white, oh, and, then, and then orange. Four colours. What do you want? That's it. That's it. It's the coolest what, kit. What's this? The, oh, right, I was in the kit. I thought yeah, you yeah. meant the. I was. Gonna, I thought you meant the the uh, plates. I was going to say plates, standard colour. Oh no, 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 no. So, um, no, no. The kit is like pine, white, the uh, Alico blue, and an orange, and that's it. Don't get any like no novelty here. Lift some weights. Mm. Oh, well, it's kind of like the uh, like the the wealthiest, richest people wear have very limited wardrobe because it's one less decision they have to make mm. in a day. I've heard this. Um, like, um, just streamline all the things that you might have to make a decision about to make them easy. Oh my word! You need to see this video. You need to see it. It is from Grift Nation, and it is there. It's the head of Grift Nation. Every single morning, wakes up. And says he trains like an athlete because I need to work with athletes every day. It's a fifty-year-old man. He's got a lovely home gym, um, but with the best one in the world. Not a pro- not a professional athlete. <laughs> if he said, oh, "Oh, I need to train like an athlete," so I uh, combat the decline of the aging process and look really good still when I'm he on a beach. When I'm on a, when I'm on a beach, he that- does look good, but it's just so naff. Everything about him is so. <laughs> I can't believe that these players are signing up with this guy because you watch it and you know, this is. Unbelievable! It's unbelievable. Like I'd, they the must problem, be, they must be making bank from it though. 
Well, you don't make that much money from rugby players. That's the truth of the matter. No, you do if you're... They're just not very profitable. You do if that, that rugby player is Sia Khaleesi. Well, I mean, if you've watched... I mean, this, I, I don't want to tell the same story again, but to think that he watched a, a, a rugby match of, with Sia Khaleesi in it, surrounded by all the superstars, and Sia Khaleesi was the one that stood out to him. Having never played, watched rugby before, the guy must be a breakdown expert. He just must have a real <laughs> eye for breakdown talent. Because you never watch a game and you go, Sia Khaleesi, that is the boy. That He has inspired me today. If you know your stuff, you go, oh, that's a nice little thing he did here and there. But he's on the same field as Peter Steph to toy. Like, why Why do you not say Peter Steph? Uh, uh, Peter Steph? Anyway. Or Ches and Colby. Oh, he has signed Chaz and Colby. Has he? Yeah. yeah. So it's Chaz and Colby, it's Peter... Um, no, it's not. Uh, Chaz and Colby. Beast. Um, just think of every prominent black player. Um, Marrow. Marrow. Sia. Sia. There's a few others too. There's a few others. Yeah. But yeah, they're, they're targeting prominent black players. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like the thing is, I wonder as well, when they interview these guys, so they had the eight uh, URC head, Martin An- Anu, is that how you say his name? Yeah, I've seen it I written, but I have not I know, said. I know who you mean. Him, um, the guy from Griff Nation, and they've said, oh, and then all of a sudden, um, Jay-Z's into rugby. And I wonder, how much does Jay-Z actually know about what's going on? Well, beware as well, because do you remember when... Who was the guy that used to be the linebacker for Baltimore Ravens? Ray Lewis. Do you remember when Ray Lewis was interested in rugby and look, looking at London Irish? Yeah, apparently. It turns out what they actually wanted, if it was going to happen, was to buy Hazelwood off London Irish so they could use it as a base for the Jacksonville Jaguars as a London franchise. Yeah. And, they, and actually, London Irish, you can bugger off. Off you go, mate. Mm. So, what is a gold ring principle? Do you remember it? Uh, the, gold the, ring is in the, the, the rugby. The rugby. Uh, the, the gold the ring principle is that if you need the other assets in order to keep a rugby uh, team afloat, then it, if someone, then eventually someone's going to say we don't want the rugby part of the business. Yes, exactly. So I've come up with the gold ring principle, right? But there's also an actual gold ring principle, which is like a halo effect of some of some something. Oh, really? That's why I asked. Like, does anyone know what it is? Let's have a look. So I've always uh, I've, the gold ring principle to me is purely. Um, business owners are attracted to rugby clubs for their non-rugby assets, yes. effectively. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I've just typed in gold ring principle and it doesn't come up with anything. Isolation, isolation of chicken immunoglobulins <laughs> from egg yolk, 2003. That'll do. <laughs> well, there you are. The gold ring, gold ring principle. Perfect. Yeah. Okay. Um, yes, shall we move on? Uh, yeah, we were just yeah, lavishing praise on Marcus Smith. Mark, yeah, Marcus Smith. So Marcus Smith does this thing when he accelerates. It's, he's like a cartoon because he accelerates and he throws his head back and arches his back. Yes, he does. It's very, this, very Fijian, that. It's very, yeah, it is quite Fijian, actually. Um, who was the old... Um, Serevi? Serevi, the sevens he player. He used to do that a lot. Yeah, like goose step and yeah. then throw his head back. It reminds me... so. I went to watch the Super Mario Brothers movie with my four-year-old earlier this year, and Mario in that film uh, runs with his arms behind his back. So he runs like to make him it look like he's going really fast. And my four-year-old started running with his <laughs> arms behind his back to I make know. him look like he was going really fast. And does it work? Uh, not really. He's incredibly slow. Bad for but catching a ball. That, that's well. only like the. 
I remember when I was a kid, you used to put your your coat with a hood. You used to put just the hood on your just head. Just your hood. So yeah, it's yes. like a cape behind exactly. you. Exactly. Yeah, Martin, um, uh, Smith, Marcus Smith, is like a cartoon character yeah. when he does that uh, goose step and acceleration mm. with his head back. But it works. He looked fantastic in this he game. He might give himself some sub-concussive whiplash from that <laughs> movie. Ban it. TBIs. Oh, the, the, uh, the, the tackling ban is coming in in rugby league in England. So yeah. we have a load of... Um, we have a, a bunch of rugby league players who play in the Broughton Park under-15s 50, under 16s rugby team. And uh, the, the, dads of, the dads of the rugby league players have kind of been sort of going, oh, what's going on with the union? What, what, what's going on? This is... This isn't right. And now, now it's coming to league only even more so. They've actually gone further in league than no, they were they with Union. No, they um, I was talking to someone about this last night, actually. Isn't it? Who was I talking to? Oh, no, I was talking to someone CrossFit that used to actually work for Super League, my friend Mark. And he was saying that it's not gone as low as Rugby Union in the community game. But actually, this leads us on nicely to the concussion loss. No, they're, they're banning everything uh, above the base, any contact above the base of the sternum. Stupid. Is is going to be outlawed. Whereas in, in Rugby Union, my experience this season is, and maybe this will be the same in league next year, um, that you sometimes get real picky refs yeah. who latter of the law and that was sternum or, and, and if it's like borderline, they penalise it. Yeah. But mo- the vast majority of referees, if it's borderline i.e. as long as there's not actual contact, shoulder height or above, mm. they just go, play on. Yeah, yeah. Which is, as that's that's how the game was last year. So, uh, we'll go back to the Champions Cup, but just as this is in, so do you want me to mm. tell you what I found out about this concussion lawsuit? Yes, I think so. I'm, I am interested in this. Okay, so nothing groundbreaking, but it's good to know. It's good to have a different angle on it, because I don't think anyone knows the angles that... I mean, when it's written about in the press, and this isn't a criticism necessarily of the press, but particularly the rugby press in the UK, they're very comfortable about talking about the rugby, but they're not so comfortable about talking about things like CBC, for instance, because it is complex and mm-hmm. it's a different job. It's a mm-hmm. different job. And rugby's not big enough to attract actual legal journalists to, to it. There just wouldn't be enough mm-hmm. time. Uh, so I think we haven't heard enough about what this uh, concussion case is, how it's working, and... These are my views and led on top of it. So it's either no win, no fee, or it's a half win, half fee. And what's really interesting about this and what no one's spoken about... Do you mean no win, half fee? No win, half fee, no win, no fee. uh, You said no win, no fee, or half win, half fee. Sorry, no win, half fee. You're absolutely right, Tim. You're absolutely right. So it depends who you listen to. On the website for Rylands, who are the law firm doing it, um, they seem to say... No win, no fee. But I've heard from several players now, it's no win, half fee. And that, that's a real big difference, as um, mm. we'll discuss in a second. Now, if it says no win, no fee on the website, I'm going to assume it is no win, no, no fee, and that um, some people may be mistaken. So the process is this. You go on the website, you sign up, and then you get an assessment. Now, this assessment is done by a doctor who is also responsible for the majority of the early onset dementia cases, which is nothing wrong with it. He might just be the only doctor assessing early onset dementia, but he's certainly one of the most prominent people doing it. And that sometimes can raise concerns if all the diagnoses are coming from one source. And this, what, what is this assessment that he's doing? It or is it a series of assessments? Yeah, so it's a battery of tests, mm-hmm. and the tests 
can be all sorts of things, but sometimes they're just as easy as done on like online. Now, this is really important now because what people don't talk about with no win, no fee is there actually is a fee. And the fee will occur if you decide not to prosecute. Or not prosecute, you don't bring your case, um, you don't let the case mm. come to come to, to to fruition, okay? So, Tim's a lawyer, I've signed up on no win, no fee basis, and then I decide, right, I'm pulling out. Well, Tim's already done the work, so it's mm-hmm. absolutely within Tim's right mm-hmm. to then levy a fee on me for work already done. Does that make sense? Which would make sense, yeah, because Tim's banking that he can make his money by successfully arguing your case... You yeah. prevent him from doing that, but he's well, done all the work. Sounds reasonable. So, yeah, yeah that, that, that is a sensible position. It's absolutely reasonable. Um, so, but the net result of this is that we have players who are coming into the gate, who are coming to this concussion suit, and they're finding it very difficult to leave. Because what will happen is you have your battery of tests up front, and the battery of tests could cost anything up to eight grand, right? Depending on how they value it. So they would have to do the valuation for you because it's like... An I'm in- kind of struggling to see what's what's an issue. So far, nothing. Okay. Right? But you need to... But, but you need to I would say you should flip flip it round and headline what the point is and then fill the detail in below. Cause no, no. Just let it me, makes it really hard to... Just, ju- just let me yeah. carry on. So they have the battery of tests first, first and then they've got a bunch of costs against their name and then they go forward with the lawsuits and they have to bring it to 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 fruition mm-hmm. now this is where i start to get concerned i get concerned on two counts first first count being what and how um rigorous are these tests because i've come across two players now not one two players that have wanted to leave but they can't leave because the fees are so high mm-hmm. and in addition, why, why did they want to leave well, and, fit, and why did they sign up uh, and sign the contracts? Well, unbelievably, Tim, one of these players wanted to leave the, the suit and did leave the suit because he wanted to play rugby again. Think about that. Mm. Think about that. Okay? So there's one player there. There's two more players that wanted to, uh, w- wanted to leave. After the assessment, they don't have anything particularly wrong with them. They've acknowledged that, but they're still, they're still in the concussion lawsuit. And here's the question that I'd be asking, right? Yeah. How many of these players have been turned away? Like, how many lads have gone onto our website, filled in the details, and said, and the experts said to them, oh, no, you don't have concussion, you can't join. My suspicion is there's going to be zero. Well, I mean, the, the I said on, uh, was it last week or whenever, that uh, the phrase ambulance chasing has been used to describe the lawyers. But I'm, I'm, I'm still struggling to see an issue because any player that wants to leave the lawsuit must they're not they're not by having the um the, at some point they must have had to have signed a bit of paper and oh, and, and, I, and that and that's on them well okay what do these players have in common more than anything else and it isn't concussion and it isn't early onset d- dementia if you look at the list of names that are signing up these are lads and you asked a great question why are they signing up well there's two lads that i've come across a separate two, two, two lads one of them joined and he joined because his mate said, look, if you do this, you could be entitled to up to three quarters of, three quarters of a million quid. All right, so there's some ridiculous numbers being banded around and being banded around really without any kind of evidence to you know, where these numbers have come from, how they've been generated, how will damages be paid, what will they be worth? Again, it sounds like ambulance chasing, doesn't Absolutely it? Absolutely right. Now, what they've got here is a bunch of players, in my mind, who's, well, the most frequent problem with them is they've had issues in the past, whether it be 
um, issues with alcohol, issues with injury, transitioning out of the game. A lot of these guys, you're looking at some of the most vulnerable guys to come out of this game in the last 20 years. So you've got a load of vulnerable players. <clears throat> some do have concussion issues. Some in, explicitly do not, right? Um, or don't, certainly in the way that we're told in the press. They enter this lawsuit, they get front-loaded with a load of charges, which they can't afford to pay back anyway, because they're they're there for them. They're, they're there for the money, and if it's no win, no fee, that's one thing. You just sort of stay and wait. If it's no win, half fee, I mean, you if you're struggling for cash, you just can't find. You know, well, we're two years in. It would cost one of them twenty grand to leave. Twenty grand. So you can't just find ten grand from somewhere. That's not that's not easy money. So. I would love to know how many guys that they've turned away. That, I think that's the real key question. Isn't there. it? Because if, if they've tested... Because they've got... I think it's now 290-something um, well, players on yeah. the list for this. But how many have they screened and said, oh, well, there's there's zero issues from your side, therefore you're not eligible. And if that is the case, do the, does that player get the eight grand um, assessment for free? Or... Do they have to pay well, for well, like, well, well, there's it's... a few things I want to clarify, okay? So I do not know the cost of the assessment. Yeah, that, right? okay. okay. Um, I've the, heard... The thousands that, of pounds worth of the, the, the assessment. Yeah, I've heard that quote yeah. for one player who does not have early onset dementia. Who mm-hmm. does not have it. So I would get it if, like, you do have early onset dementia and you have to have a further battery of tests after the initial. But the fact that this guy didn't makes you think, mm, maybe they're going to be quite, like, quite expensive and they're valuing it out. As, as they want. So, because... I, yeah, on, on the tests as well, I've heard... That, like, the test for CTE, certainly, is... is um, there's kind of no point in doing it while you're still alive, because it doesn't, it doesn't yeah. tell you anything. Yeah. So there's lots of tests going on. There's the RPA yeah. test, which is kind of done in conjunction with um, RFU, and that seems like some serious science going on there. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, everyone basically agrees that you can't... You can't find out about concussion. But there's also correlation and causation, and I know it's different. But I I love this um, Matthew Walker, this sleep expert. That there has been in recent years a, an explosion of uh, young males being medicated for uh, ADHD, that kind, yeah, kind of thing. And he's pointed out. He said, "Yes, they 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 these lads probably do have symptoms of this. However, um." Sleep. Mm. He 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 suggests. I'm not saying now. I'm not. I'm not trying to make some controversial case like that. Doesn't that doesn't exist? It's not real. But how how much of that issue is just being medicated because the tick 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 that matches? Yeah. And how much is just they're on their computer all night? Yes. And they're staring at a screen and they've and uh, they're not doing enough exercise. They're not doing and enough, they're not enough eating exercise. Right, and, they're eating and, they're not, and they're eating crap yeah, food. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. You, well, you do you train properly and get some good exercise. You sleep properly and you eat well. Not ninety five percent of people's ailments are going to disappear. Yeah. So, so with this and the, the the dovetail with that is, as we said, I think the bar is going to have to be incredibly high on this well, lawsuit to demonstrate that there is an absolute direct causal link, and there are no other factors. Alcohol. Um, I don't know genetics. Who who, who knows any number of factors? These other things that these rugby players will have in common like they they will have higher testosterone than the average man because mm-hmm. they are bigger stronger in a stronger environment they might go out drinking more than others and certainly drinking to excess binge drinking painkillers 
painkillers. Yeah, there are all yeah. sorts of like Michael Lippmann's on the uh, <laughs> Michael Lippmann's <laughs> yeah. on the lawsuit. Well, let's, yes. let's leave that there. Yeah. So I, a lot of these lads have made very bad life decisions. As everyone has. As everyone yeah, has. Yeah. But like, we all, and it is important, you know. So in financial services, we have vulnerable uh, client protocols. So if mm-hmm. a client is vulnerable in a certain way, you've got to be care- very careful with how you deal with them. And I'm not for one s- second suggesting that this law firm is dealing with them in an unethical way at all. But you do have a bunch of vulnerable people who have been, uh, who are looking at the pound signs, in most cases, signing up explicitly in some cases for that reason, and then realising if they want to get out of this because they don't want their name linked to it, that it's going to cost them 20 grand. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now the headline figure that you'll hear in the press is, oh, 260 people have signed up. But then we don't know to what degree they've signed up. You know, are they have they signed up because these people are just accepting anyone? Could, could I sign up? Could we send someone to them with a script and just see if they got accepted like i walk into a room sometimes and i can't find my keys i i, or, I know an ex pro yeah, yeah. player we should get <laughs> i sometimes i feel sad you know are, are, are these concussion linked so i think i think your sadness is uh, mostly dubai linked yes and, and the fact that you are not still in dubai <laughs> <laughs> yeah sometimes i forget pe- I, I forget people's names like you you can say anything and there's not really much you can say to disprove that it's from concussion, or it is from concussion. So that'd be the first thing. And the second thing, which I wanted to point out, is this is such a lawsuit of convenience. And I had to think about this for a little while. And then it sort of came to me that, do you know the way that the Met Police don't really arrest uh, people who have the right opinions? In fact, it's kind of... Uh, oh, yeah, their the, the policing of certain protests yeah, 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 and, yeah. and others is... So, like, you, yeah. you're fine to do that, but yeah. you will definitely get, get arrested. Uh, so the, the one that always stands out to me is, like, the... Um, the climate change guys. I mean, the reason that they don't really arrest them is because they basically, as an as an organisation, agree with what they're saying, right? So they just leave them alone. And I can't help but think it's a lawsuit of convenience, which the governing bodies. I mean, they would say obviously they're going to fight it, and they are going to fight it, and they don't want to pay the money. But they are loving having this in the background because they never talk about the details or, you know, how much it's going to actually cost them. Which probably won't cost them that much because their insurers will pick up the case probably this will be passed to uh, an insurance firm but they do use it to just get through whatever law changes that you know that they deem necessary and if you've got people at the top of the game who are hell-bent on increasing participation at the cost of the game that we play this is actually a really useful tool i mean i can't help but think they are in some aspects delighted at this because it gives them cover for everything that they want to do because if you ever hear the the if you ever hear people from the RFU council talk, and you know in, some journalists too, they go, oh god, well we're going to be sued out of existence. Like, well, you don't understand the first thing about it. That's you know you couldn't let, you couldn't tell me how it worked like I told you guys. You couldn't tell me the process that, that they went through. But they're happy to change the laws of the game based on just saying there's a lawsuit, and it's ridiculous. Mm, that will. Well, so we'll, we will watch that yeah, well, intensely. I mean, adding all that onto the fact that I think the bar's very high and you have to uh, prove negligence, not just that there is a relationship between playing rugby and danger. Shock horror. <laughs> yeah. um, which is why we play it, as we've said many times. But because um, the bar's set really high, I hope that there is a robust defence of the sport. No, because they don't I, 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 sport. I, what, I, what I suspect is that it's going to be out of court. There you go. Have, have some of our cash. And, yeah. and bankrupt the sport in the process. Well, the insurers will pay it, is the idea. 
Yeah, but that's going to cost the cost on that of that two clubs, uh, and eventually to supporters, participants of rugby down the line. They're, they're going to end if an insurer takes care of it. The rug, rugby will pay for it in one way or another. Yeah, I mean down the line. Yeah, well, you've got to remember the other thing, right? Which is that isn't the real cost to it. The real cost is the PR disaster. Yeah, you know the, f- the real cost of it is when the new oh, there's 260 players now. There's 500 players now. There's 700 players now without any real understanding about what these numbers mean. Um, the real damage is that the the d- never underestimate in in the same way that the National Trust don't like old buildings. Um, the rugby authorities do not particularly like rugby. I mean, they'd love to change it. They like their professional game. That's where they make their money. The community game they couldn't care less about. And the sooner they get the contact out of it, the better. I don't know that I. No, I think that's too simplistic a way to look at it. They want they basically less men's teams, more women's teams, a, a, a softer environment, less drinking, you know, less rowdiness. They want to change the game fundamentally from from what from what it's been. It's such a convenient way mm. to get it done. So that that was my overriding thought after I thought thought all through. I was like, yeah, this isn't that. This isn't a. This isn't that threatening to the game. It's not the existential threat that they make it out to be. But a lot like, lot like we're told in society about lots of existential threats, it's covered for some absolutely awful lawmaking. Mm. Well, things we're talking about uh, potential disasters. Did you see the front page of the Ruby paper this week? No, I have seen yeah, it. I, I seem to ignore it until <clears throat> you tell me about it. I was it. going to suggest we just dovetail there briefly. And I was hoping, Phil, that you can make some sense of it because we were talking last week about, uh, and I think I opened the conversation about the RFU accounts for 22 23 by saying that looks good are we is is this what is actually going on and now Francis Barron has come out and said actually in this current tax year we're in which for the RFU will end in June 24 uh, they are heading for a 50 plus million pound loss mm. yeah two he, very different figures there also, so the the accounts that just came out which ended 30th of June 2023 the RFU showed a 4 million pound profit Although um, before their um, rugby investment, it was a hundred and three million pound profit. Yeah, but the rugby investment included running all of the rugby. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, now Francis Barron appears to be saying that that they were massaging the figures, so that should actually that four million profit should have actually have been a six million loss. Yeah, quote deliberate obfuscation. Yes. So yeah, um, and then now I. It's not entirely clear to me whether it was the RFU's projection or Francis Barron's projection, but he is suggesting that there is going to be the year that we're in, the year that ends in um, 30th of June 2024, so in about six months' time, seven months' time, uh, a £59 million loss. But that's... So, the rugby is fairly predictable because... You know how many games you're going to play. You know how many teams you're running. You know what competitions you're going to. It does seem to be too wild a swing. And I know this year yeah. is a World Cup year, therefore keeping that full team, keeping 50 bodies in France for a two-month period will be quite expensive. Is it £60 million? No, yeah. it's not. So I'm not entirely certain of that. And also, I'm... It's not clear to me how much will be um, expended, if anything, on the clubs going bankrupt. Um, hmm. Which some of obviously um, 
the majority of that actually happened in the last financial year. So not even in this financial year, but there may, may well be consequences for that in this financial yeah, year. Yeah, one thing that he did say, which appears to be like factual uh, in terms of the, ob- as he said, obfuscation, is the fact that the RFU were saying, yay, we got a £4 million profit, uh, and they didn't mention that they got a £5.5 million one-off grant from Sport England. Uh, <laughs> whoops. <laughs> but, okay, so that yeah. would indicate why, the underlying... Why are we having grants from Sport England? Sorry? Why do we have? I mean, why does the government need to pay any money to rugby whatsoever? It makes it, no sense to me. It, sh- it shouldn't. But it should, should it? No. Like we should have no government money. And as I say, we've sort of joking about the government-funded sport. It should. It should stand on its own two feet. It, because what do we have to do to get this money? Like what? What hoops do we have to jump through? I, I'd hate to know what the you know, strings are. At, like attached to it, be carbon neutral by next year or something <laughs> ridiculous, or demonstrate sustainability. Well, DEI, no doubt. This, yeah, this. I mean, Australia would probably look at England and go, "You've got nothing to worry about." Um, to see, <laughs> Marky Mark, yeah, Mark Noanganitoase is leaving for, to go to rugby league. Yes, I'll just buy him back an, an inflated cost five five well, times cost. It, well, they've they've already done it, but not him. They've bought uh, Joseph Suali'i. He's a, a young Samoan guy, 20 years of age, d- described as a teen prodigy, but um, he's got a long way to go to, to be the finished article. He does look very good, let, let's, let's be clear. Six foot five, ra- rapid hell. fullback. Hang on, didn't they not? You used to have a six foot five they, rapid fullback. They, they did. From Rugby League. <laughs> they did. really good. But they've basically spent nearly three times as much money as Mark Noanganitawase would have cost them to get this young guy across. <laughs> It's a guy just, with caps. Yeah, a guy, uh, a guy with caps who's bedded into the system. Oh who's been God. playing rugby union. They're like, no, we'll spend three times as much on a on a kid, and we'll lose uh, Marky Mack as a result. And also, we're buying back three players that we're relatively okay with, and we'll just ignore the fact we haven't got any props. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, they can't really buy props in no, from rugby league. No, fair, but no, that's fair. Give it a go. <laughs> you get um, David Young used to play for Dan Young used to play for. Uh, was it Wigan? He played for Salford. Salford. I I had a Salford season ticket when he was uh, playing for Salford. So um, he had another Welsh prop as well. They used to actually, Salford, no one liked Salford at that time because Salford was just about the only team that would compete in the scrum because they had had legit Welsh props. Interesting. So all the other teams who were used to not pushing hated coming to Salford. I've seen pushing in the scrum once. It was Wakefield. To the Willows. Um, What was the thing I was about to say to you then, Tim? It was about. Marky oh yeah, Mark. I'm uh, hoping that they've um, vetted the religious views of this Samoan six foot five fullback prodigy because it's a lot of money to waste if you haven't. <laughs> well, he'll be with them for three years, uh, to, or four years, well, basically till the next World Cup, and then he'll go back to rugby league. A very wealthy man. Mm. Good for him. Well yeah. done, you. Well done, young man. Yes, absolutely. Same with the cleaners. Uh, meanwhile, other player news is uh, Joe Thocken, a singer, is on Gloucester's shopping list. Is that, I mean, they need, that's that's what that's what I would address if I were Gloucester. <laughs> get, make sure that is get, the most bizarre headline I've ever. <laughs> well, Lewis Reesamit is probably going to leave at the end of next season. Uh-huh, but mm-hmm. you can't really replace Light with Light. Or is it the there? end of the season? Oh no, no, it's the end of the season. This he's going to go. Lewis Reesamit's in the last year of his contract. I don't he'll know. He'll have to go to Wales, won't he? <laughs> Oh, How many caps has he got? God, no, he no, he'll be over his cap limit, surely. 20 caps. 20, is it 25? Oh, it's only 20. Okay, yeah, he'll be over that. He'll be over that. So he can go to, he'll go to France. He'll he must be he, he will. He will. Yeah. He'll oh, do like he'll go a... Bath? Matteo Carreras. Matteo so, Carreras going to my beloved Bayonne. Bayonne. Hang on a minute. Hang on. I'm on something here. I am on something. So, Cochrane Singer goes, he's on a lot of cash. 
they have a lot of cash anyway because they're trying to get Arundel. Arundel's not signed. Yep. So why not go for Reese Summit? Mm. Straight swap. Oh, nice. That, that makes sense. That actually it does, does make it, sense. It does make sense. They could do that. It does make sense. Um, on Arundel, that does mean the fact that he's apparently, hasn't been confirmed, but will be in the next couple of days, we believe, maybe even by the time this podcast, you're listening to this podcast, but Arundel's going to confirm that he will be at Racing 92 next year, which will mean he cannot play for England in this year's Six Nations. Mm. What if he just delays that decision? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because he's there right now because of the um, emergency circumstance or whatever the ex- exceptional mm-hmm. circumstances. So surely it would only be once this contract ends no if he signs a, a new an if he signs a new deal that will that will soup that will supersede his current deal and so just don't sign it until just after just the sign it, yeah, just get 60 grand from the RFU and then sign it the day after <laughs> <laughs> um or maybe Rassing say you got to sign it now or not at all mm. who knows well, and you don't have to tell anyone that you've signed anything <clears throat> i mean you can sign it now for Rassing and yeah, why, yeah. why would you have to it's in their business um Lewis Rees Summit. So I think he he, sh- he should go to France. He should earn mega money and be paid as one of the best players in the world, which he is. Um, can you name any Welsh players who've gone to France and it's actually been successful? Uh, yes. No, arguably Gareth Thomas. Toulouse? Yeah. Yeah, arguably. Yeah, that, that is, that's a good shout, I'd Stephen say. Jones was successful at uh, Claremont, I would say. But generally speaking, you're right. Gareth Davis didn't like it. Reese Webb didn't like it. Uh, well, Lee Halfpenny didn't like no. it. Um, Big, bigger pulled his back in yeah. two games in. Uh, you've got uh, Lydia who hated it. Yeah, Charteris might have done better. I can't really remember. Yeah, yeah, Maybe he was, Charteris was, did okay. Was he at Racing for a while. Racing, and also yeah. he went to one before that, which went, re- which got relegated. Yeah, so well, not, that, not that well then, I guess. Uh, if you get relegated, who, who are they? Blood and Gold, they're really famous. Sorry, Perpignan. He went to Perpignan. Perpignan. Mike Phillips, notoriously awful uh, uh, in France. Jamie, uh, Jamie Roberts, he's a bit more cosmopolitan, isn't he? Yeah, he doesn't seem to do well anywhere. <laughs> I'm being honest. I mean, he did okay for Harlequins for, for a little while. He was okay, but he didn't make any real effort. Uh, not effort. Didn't re- impact in Waratah. Uh, he's he's the yeah. true definition of a Test match animal. Yeah, he is. Like, yeah, yeah, like way better on an international pitch than he's on a club pitch. Yes. Yeah. Um, who there must be one who has been. Uh, yeah, I think Jenkins went to Toulon for a bit. Didn't definitely he? didn't work. No, uh, the one who might have worked is Jonathan Davis at Claremont. He actually did all, did all right. right. Yeah. Does Regan King have a Welsh cap? Uh, maybe for the rugby league team. Oh, that's it, another guy. Who's, is he the young lad at... Oh, no, sorry. The Regan, young lad at Regan Racing. Grace. No, Regan, you're thinking Regan Grace. Is he the young lad at Racing? No, Regan King has played for Scarlets and was just a magnificent player. Who's the, who's the young lad that is like... Is he Regan King? He was yeah, the, yeah, you've, you've got the right guy. So Regan, Regan King was Grace. the Kiwi. Is that Regan Grace? Yeah. Yeah, Regan Grace. Regan King is the Kiwi who went to Wales. Regan, Regan Grace is who Christian Wade got brought in as a... Yes, injury. Yeah. As a injury medical joker, played, medical joker for him. And I think... Regan Grace was from St. Helens, but he was Welsh rugby league. Correct. Player. He might be training with Bath now. Hmm. I seem to think he's training with Bath. Mm. Look that up. And I've just seen here in the in the same page of the rugby paper that's saying that uh, Joe Thockenessing is a target for Gloucester position they really need. And historically, that's what... That's what yeah. when Gloucester were great. That's 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 what you think about. It was all the wingers they had, not the horrible front five. Um, 
that were nasty that they could do with. Anyway, yeah, Johan Van Graan confirms injured rugby league star Regan Grace is working with Bath Rugby. Like it. Rehabbing like from a serious Achilles injury. Uh, you'll, be, you'll like this. Steve, Di- right, former Salem Worcester director of rugby Steve Diamond is waiting in the wings with pressure mounting on Gloucester boss George Skivington. Ooh. Mm. I wonder if Steve Diamond is leaking that story. Yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> it says, uh, the cherry and white is eight points clear. <laughs> well, read the last paragraph here. The cherry and white is eight points clear of Newcastle Falcons and Diamond according to blindside sources, is itching to get back into the coaching <laughs> and would relish the challenge of turning Gloucester around. He would work there. That is 100% a um, <laughs> diamond press release. <laughs> <laughs> I'd take him. Do you know, no, I wouldn't in this case. I do still believe George Gibson is the right man for the job. I really like Skivington. Yeah. I, I, I really do. There's no... <sighs> You have to be in a very bad place, like Bath were under Hooper, to throw everything out. And I don't mm. think Skivington's bad in the in any way. He's not, but he hasn't addressed the issues. Their pack has just suddenly got really depowered. They're just not what they were. Mm. No, they're not. They I mean, were formidable, and now they've just... And they had that one weird trick at the line-out, which yeah. was scoring them loads And as soon as that's been stopped, they've kind of not had that edge. And also Jack Singleton's gone to Toulon. Toulon, started for Toulon. Yeah, so that's another thing. Um, So there's two things about the Singleton. Well, they've got McGuigan and the other uh, young lad coming through, so that's not not too much of an issue. No, but do you know what I thought about it? It reminded me of last year with with Newcastle letting Trevor Davison go. In fact, they let a fair few players go, I think, in in the middle of the season. And I wonder if we're going to see more of this because of a tighter salary cap and a ring fence league. Well, yeah, do you know about the, the Dave Atwood all of a sudden went to Toulon? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's so we get him off the salary cap, right? Yeah, exactly. But in this case, what I think is happening is because of the ring fence league and there's no chance of you getting relegated, if you've got a fringe player who's like just not playing much, it's best to get rid of him. So I heard the example the other day, and this is a really interesting thing. Um, a club had a very expensive player, and he was leaving at the end, the end, the end of the year. So they're looking at this guy and thinking, right, if he goes to France, he's definitely leaving, right? And he's going to—they're going to release him from his contract, like say a year early, something like that. So if he goes to France and he doesn't pass his med, his medical, we're going to have to take this boy back on his massive wage for a year and we don't want him so actually every game he plays now is a massive financial risk to us and I wonder if there's something in that with over Singleton so there's no relegation therefore you strip your squad of all unnecessary costs because what's the point you're not going to compete you're not going get, to get, get to the playoffs so send away the lads now and you know think about rebuilding with some kids and just think about saving, saving some money mm. why wouldn't you yeah and there's there's different ways this has worked because for some clubs it will just be about jettison players, uh, as in to save money, to um, attempt to break even. For other clubs, other clubs have done this in order to avoid the salary cap police. Yeah, definitely. Like uh, Charlie Yules went to play in South Africa for a few months. Yeah, and other. Um, I mean, Bristol did it with Dan Thomas when they thought they had a shot of getting Jack Willis or one of the Willis boys when Wasps went bump. So. Teams have used it to suit their purposes, but Gloucester does feel a bit more Newcastle esque than Bath esque. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. So that's what I thought. Thought on that. As for their pack, 
they've always been quite good at like storing up good like good ball carriers. They sort of like six foot two to six foot four kind of back row ball carrier. So you had Ben Morgan, you had Ackerman, uh, you had um, Paledri. Paledri is a great one. Um, now they've got Clement and Clement. Clement can play as well. Mm, um, I, I do like Clement. He's he's, he's, he's yeah. a young English lad who yeah. could it, maybe in a couple of years mm. be pushing for a bit more experience, a bit mm. more size. Could be pushing, but that's just sort of fade of the way now. But they, they don't have. They don't gro- when they had Groblar and Moster and uh, yeah, Groblar's ace. And the other thing as well for Gloss, it's happened to them in two different iterations. And of Slater, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, Hero. Well, two different iterations of this Gloucester team have basically have had the same problem happens and they've stayed too static in what they do. So under Danny Cipriani, you knew exactly what they were going to do. Like it, they were so predictable, and for the first year it was ace because you had no idea. But as soon as you worked it out, so like, oh, pod of three out the back, pod of three out the back, yeah, mm-hmm. dull. And I think Cipriani had it on the wing in defence again. Yeah, and I think this version of Gloucester has been found out now, which is they're very good at line out. You stop the line out now. What's <coughs> now? What they got? They've got a few ball carriers, but they don't look. Yeah, they don't look tremendous. They need to find a different way to win. Um, speaking of Gloucester, did you see anything from their trip to? Black Lion. Black Lion no. to Georgia. So they won, but that was it. With it, five kicks. Yeah, it was uh, the only try of the game was scored by Black Lion. It was really? one try to nil. Who was the team? Um, uh, mixed. It, it they was, all ended with kids. Adza and Edza. Oh, really? <laughs> Villy. What experience that is. Yeah. A hell of hell of an experience. Yeah, um, yeah it's it a young team. The, the, cha- Gloucester. Yeah, the Challenge Cup is like the Champions Cup. So the Challenge Cup, there are 18 clubs in it, and 12 of them go through to the round of 16. Black Lion going to go through, do we think? No, probably not. But that that just means that, I don't know, just going back to the Champions Cup, just me- I, the, this this year's format is better than last year. I will give credit where it is due. The four pools works better than the two pools, and... And playing people in your only playing people in your pool. That, yeah, you only play your pool, and you play better. the four teams from the other competitions, yeah, which is nice. So, but you don't get the home, and so you don't get the grudge match where no. If so, um, Quins will not host Racing, to, no. so Racing can get their own back. No, Exeter will not host Toulon, so they can get their own back. Yeah, and we talked about the the hypocrisy of player welfare, player welfare. Let's play loads more games. <laughs> yeah. um, so there's there's gonna, there's twenty seven. Oh, no, no, hold on. How many pool games are there? So there's twenty four teams in it, isn't there? So, so there's, there's only you only play four. There's twelve games every round. So there's twelve, twenty four, thirty six. There's forty eight matches to eliminate eight teams. <laughs> yes. That's, then is the round of sixteen? Is it home and away? No, or it's just, it's just ho- straight just knockout. Straight knockout. So yeah, that you're cutting down. Yeah. Um, I, I I think this is probably the least worst option. Agreed. The, the least worst, the best option is probably just going back to 20 teams and doing it like it was. Yeah. With the t- yeah. only eight qualify for quarterfinals and there's no round of 16. As good as a round of 16 round of will 16, be. Yeah, round of 16 will be good fun. The two-legged game was probably the best thing that they had. Some of those were amazing. Yeah, they were really, really good. Yeah. Did you get that grudge as well? Well, it was always around this time of year, wasn't it? It was... Uh, when was it just in the new year that the rounds rounds three and four the home and away is yeah. that what you're talking about or you talking, well, you're talking about the home and away quarter final yeah yeah the home and away yeah, so home the home and away was it round 16 no it was just after the just after was it? wasn't it because you'd always have 
Two years ago, they had a home and away quarter final. Last year, they had the round of sixteen straight yeah. straight knockout. I think. Yeah, the two two years ago. Or was it? Was it last year round of sixteen and knock and the and the home and away was the quarter final? Oh, I can't. That re- I can't I even remember. It's See, in, this, it's, this the format it. has changed this so many it. times. Yeah. So, um, Bristol played one of their favourite sons, ex sons. Yes, this Semi, and he scored, and he celebrated. Did he? He did celebrate when he scored, which I think he was in front of the ball. If you, if you've seen the try, he picked up from the back of a, a rook or from the the side of the rook, rook or the front of a rook, so and was, went under the he post, was celebrating to divert. Yes, from uh, don't look, don't look, don't look at that. Don't look, don't replay look confident. that. Don't look confident. Yeah, yeah don't replay that. I, I've been saying he will go down in history as the Premiership's most overrated player. Most over. I mean, just. From day one, that that first year of him, he was average. Unplayable. He was average. He was unplayable. <laughs> I thought this guy's knocking the ball on quite quite a lot, and then you get a try, and then you knock on the joking. ball. Joking, like the number of times from set piece, like the ball would go from Harry Randall to Semi Randrandra, he does and things. he would score. No, he does. Like things. how no other player could do that. No, he does things like he throws the ball backwards over his head. Yeah, like hey, and he dribbles into touch, and the commentators <laughs> go. That was just spectacular. If someone was on his on his wavelength, well, you know, based on that, you can throw the ball anywhere. He was the definition. He was that good in that first year for Bristol. He was that good that Bristol finished top of the table, and a massive part of that was because he opened up. And Piers O'Connor looked like a player that we were Piers saying. Piers O'Connor. No, wait, wait, wait. Piers O'Connor looked like a player that, that we were rightly saying should play for England. Yeah, yeah. Because he was next to Semi Randrandra. No. Semi Randrandra made Piers O'Connor look like an England player. I'd say it's the other way round. Piers O'Connor. <laughs> Piers O'Connor actually made Semi Randrandra look bad because Piers O'Connor could catch a ball. Like, he doesn't make mistakes. And then the World Cup just really finished off for me when he drops the ball against Wales. Just needs to, just needs to walk it in. He's a winger. Just needs to walk it in. Of course, just a, a tremendous talent. Tremendous talent. I think he's a phenomenal Talent. I don't know where you. But, how are you watching? You guys are like Griff Nation watching um, Sia Khaleesi. The the bit. So you you flip with Semi. Sometimes you say he's terrible. Sometimes you say he's average. And sometimes you say he's uh, not worth the money. And on the last Definitely one, not worth the money. Yeah, on the last one, I completely yeah, I'll agree. Completely agree because I don't think any player, uh, but particularly when you've got other marquee, I don't think is, any players. Worth it is relative when it's a, when it's a marquee and when it's Steve Lansdowne's kids' inheritance. Yeah. There, it's yeah. a relative you know, factor. Who is worth the money though? Who was worth the money from the day he signed? I never thought he would be. Sir Charles. Sir Charles was worth. He was injured a lot. He was injured first year. Now his. I know that because I picked him in fantasy rugby every single season, basically. Uh, His first year was dynamite. And Lua Tua probably not far off the money, although he has has had a few injuries. Still only twenty eight. Him? No, he's not. (laughs) He's tough paper around that. There's no way he's only twenty eight. There's no way he's not twenty eight. No, he can't be. He's thirty four. Yeah, I I reckon he might be flat thirty. I don't think he's any older than that. Let's have a look. Stephen Luatua is... Oh, he's 32. 32. Yeah. But he looks Where's 42. Where's the time gone? He looks 42, yeah. Um, do you know who's younger than I thought? Who was playing today? Who went off injured? Joe Launchbury. Oh, okay. Do you know how old he is? 31. 32. 32. Yeah, I, I, I had him be 34, 35. Well, he's a guy that could, that could be answered to England 6 by playing him at second row. Yeah, to, to create room for Mara. Although he yeah. did... He went off with an awkward-looking shoulder injury. He does. And he doesn't have shoulders as well. No. So yes. That's, that's impressive. Even more awkward. <laughs> he's great. I hope he's well And he's, he's six foot six and 130 kilos, so... 
That, yeah. that always helps. It does help, and he works hard. Um, I have nothing that I'll say about Bristol, because I didn't see it. Did anyone see the Bristol game? No, it was a... Great... I saw the highlights, and I was following the score, the backwards I, and forwards. Yeah, I thought they'd just completely shat the bed. Yeah, they uh, were... Where they were 20, way... 25 points up yeah. with 20 minutes to go. And then lost the lead, only to get it back with a drop goal at the end. In the 84th minute. Callum Sheedy's probably just sealed himself a starting spot in the Six Nations with that moment. <laughs> Well, yeah, but, but, Wales don't have any other options, and he looks decent. So, yeah, um, no, they don't, do they? Oh, we haven't we haven't mentioned uh, the, the Bulls handing it to Saracens. Yeah, they look pretty good. Yeah, yeah. the only team that I said from England that would win, and they got smashed. They lost, absolutely smashed. Um, I didn't see it. Did anyone else see it? Uh, I saw bit. I saw bits of highlights this. again. Uh, Saracens got. Yeah, they did deserve to lose. They, probably the scoreline flattered them ever so slightly in the end. Billy Vanapola, just a brain-dead moment with a yellow card. They had a couple of yellow cards. Yeah, two yellow So they had Good, Itoji, and then they played the last 30 minutes without Billy. Christ, they weren't messing around with this team either, were they? No. no you, they like, put, Theo McFarlane was on the bench. It, it was a very strong team. Um, I mean, they're miss, missing a couple of players through injury. Lewington, who's out long-term. Ben Earl. Um other than that, that back three for the Bulls were great. Arentz, yeah. Moody, and Vili Larue. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's good, isn't it? Johan Newson was, was oh. just really controlling at fly half. Yeah, he rediscovered his form after um, running yeah. a farm for five years. Yeah. <laughs> Akka van der Merwe and uh, Marco van Staden were God, really imagine good. Imagine how much money that guy's lost. And that, um, that, that, the ones I was looking at, the the two props for the Bulls are ones that are on the way into the South Africa setup, and uh, Wilco Lowe, formerly of Quinns, and Steenkamp, he looks like a really good young leadership prop. Oh yeah, it's the wrong, it's a different Steenkamp. Well, I think it might, I'm assuming it's his kid. Prop, with a surname Steenkamp. Guthrow must be about old yeah. enough to, to have like a 20, 21, 21, 22 year old kid. Maybe. Don't know, might might be no, re- no relation whatsoever. Yeah, he's not, so Gerhard Steenkamp, uh, certainly his Wikipedia page doesn't yeah you'd think it would mention it if his dad was Guthrow yeah he's um, um according to his Wikipedia page 128 kilos and 6 foot 4 and a half he's that's a, useful 194 he, he gave Alex Clary a bit of a going over mm. does not surprise me that well does not surprise me one bit and um, Jack, Jack, uh, Jake White after the game apologised for the crowd booing oh, yeah. Owen Farrell vociferously oh, which they did grow up everyone it's not the end of the world <laughs> Well, they they did go for him big good. time. Good, good, get him. Um, Christ, this is a team of names. This this Bulls team, Bulls and Saracens team. It's a strong Saracens team. But Bulls, how is Johan Goose that end up ended up in this situation? I don't know how much he gets paid at the Bulls, and I hope it's handsomely. But he fell out with somebody over not being the... He was the highest paid player in France, but he wasn't the highest enough paid player in France, <laughs> which is why he left and didn't play a game again for like three years. To go, did he go to cheaters in the end? He went all over in that. Like, what was wrong with the man? Well, he just wanted to be the commercial manager for a large cattle farm. It makes sense, yeah. He was at... Was he at Russing? And then they were like, we're just not going to pay you quite as much as Montpellier. Yeah. Just ridiculous numbers, and he decides to do that. It was ridiculous. 
Uh, well, we've got, we got emailed from someone who was at that game. Uh, Steph, Stefan Otto, contact Chasers at gmail.com. And he um, he sent us a picture of Owen Farrell taking a photo with his kids and just said um, that he, he felt quite bad for him with the stick that he was getting from the crowd. Mentioned Jake White um, apologising for the booing, which I didn't know until I read that email. And just said, actually, um, what a what a lovely bloke he was. Mm. And I, I think Farrell, he'll just be water off a duck's back. Yeah. The booing, he'll just laugh it off. I nearly gave Owen Farrell a lift into Manchester once. <laughs> that was my claim to fame. <laughs> nearly. Oh, I'd love... Would, oh, was my God. Can you imagine your, the conversation? Was that when you were in your Fiat 500? Yeah, why couldn't I do it? Was I in, like... You were in your Volvo, weren't you? It was... It was uh, car seats. Oh, so, so, hold on. So, you offered... He was going to, and then you had to say, no, I've got car yeah, seats. Yeah, it was him, Maitland, and somebody else. And we just... And they went for the Boys, I'm going to tell no. Do you want to jump in? Um, and they went, yeah, sure. Who was, I was talking to someone who knows them. Who was the Saracens guy that I knew at the time? Great mate, great mate. No, I knew Maitland, but it was somebody else that I knew. I was talking to on, 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 I can't remember who it was. And I went, oh, do you want to jump in? Like, oh, yeah, yeah, sure. So um, went to my car, and we had a car seats. I looked at the logistics. I was like, oh fuck, <laughs> yeah, couldn't, 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 couldn't be done. So they jumped in an Uber. Oh, that could be a. A sliding doors moment in your life. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, quite. I reckon if that ha- if that could. Oh my! I'm just thinking. If you'd have had Owen Farrell in your car, that would have completely <laughs> changed the dynamic of the podcast over the last few years. Owen yeah, he would have been your saint. mate. What a yeah, guy! Yeah. What a bloke! Got his number. Because <laughs> you do the more you the more you get to know these players, the more you like them and become incredibly defensive of them. It's dangerous well. getting to know them if you want to. Yeah, never give the animals names. Them. Yeah, yeah. We, we don't. Yeah, we don't give the cattle names. <laughs> Which is again why um, Austin Healy is so good because he'll say exactly what he thinks mm. and whereas you can see some people are holding back because they know these people a lot of players go to Austin Healy for um, uh, not quite coaching or analysis but his opinions on a frequent basis mm. a lot of the fly halves do um, we should touch on the the biggest game at least on paper because it was repeat the final oh Leinster Larochelle how have we year. not talked about that because oh, it was a horrendous it was, yeah, conditions it was horrendous conditions good good win for Leinster well was it I mean it's very typical any win for Leinster's good yeah it, it, it was a win that they got and unless it's the final who cares it, w- it was a good win it was definitely a good win to go to La Rochelle um, and to to match them physically which they did um and to get the win. But you're right, it only mattered. It, it kind of felt, towards the end of that game, it felt like when Ireland beat South Africa in the group stages of the World yes, Cup. Yes, I agree. It just had that exactly feeling that it, it's wonderful, but it doesn't matter. Yeah. yeah. And it is of no consequence. Interesting selections for Leinster. I think, like, Kieran Frawley would have been disappointed not to be starting and then came on and Who is he? knocked over the winning points. Who's Kieran Frawley? Kieran Frawley's Island Island squad member. Ah, um, interesting. 15, 10. Harry Byrne started at 10, but Frawley came on in the first half and then knocked over the winning points. And Josh van der Fleer started on the bench with Will mm. Connors starting at 7. Mm. Which is, that's quite a big statement and tells you where Josh van der Fleer's at. He's not, he's not the player he was a couple of years ago. Um, um, I, I don't awesome. know, yeah. It'd be interesting to see that because I, I think he's 
We've oh, he's fantastic. Really, and played well in the World Cup. And it's it's got, relative. But, uh, Josh van der Fleer not being as good as he was a couple of years ago, the best player in the world. Yes. Um, it's yeah, not, which, not, which is not true. a huge criticism. But sure. um, but right, Ryan Baird started at six as well. Yeah. Um, he, is, he is a talented boy. Uh, and Charlie Naitai, all black Charlie Naitai on the bench. Yep. Not bad. Yep. Are you looking at Ultimate Rugby? Did it get that right? Uh, hang on. It's <laughs> Bods. He was, he was on the bench. He was on the No, he was number 23. That's what I'm saying. Wow. Mm. Ultimate Rugby got it right. <laughs> got one player. It's, it's unusual. Of um, 46. Here's correct. a guy that I thought of when he scored his try. Jordan Lama. He was going to be one of the great players in the world at one point. Yeah, that was yeah, the sort yeah. of route he was taking. Why is he not the best player in the world now? Is there a reason for this? He's very good. He has some defensive yeah. deficiencies and other players have come through and been better. Incredible, yeah, isn't it? But he yeah, was meant just, to be like the best attacking. And actually, arguably, well, for Ireland and for Leicester for about six months. They, um, they project, uh, two words, project players, is what happened to Jordan Lama. Yeah. They, although Matt Hansen's actually Irish, or his, his mum was half Irish. Yeah. Like, he was born and raised in Australia. Born and raised in Australia, but he, could, he, he didn't have to wait to qualify to play for Ireland, whereas James Lowe was, let's get James Lowe over, sit him in our team for three years, and then he can play for us. Yes, and that's been just before it goes to five years. Yes, just it just surprised me because I mean, even if that I mean that is the case actually with James Lowe, but um, Jordan Lomer was a devastating player, absolutely mm. devastating, and he just hasn't really fulfilled his potential. Yeah, I think that is that is half of it. He's not. Well, he had enormous potential. Again, the way that we we talk about it many times, the way we sometimes over. We inflate how good young people are because you map on how good they could be yeah. if they continue at this. Oh, same I'm no trajectory. fan of young people, Tim. <laughs> you misunderstand me. Um, but yeah, good win for Leinster. But again, as you say, it, the, the, if, that, if that were if that were the old twenty team Champions Cup, that would be a devastating loss for La Rochelle. As it is, yeah, at home, at home defeat. They're really under pressure to make the knockouts, and if they make the knockouts, they might not have a preferable position. They might have a tough. Uh, quarter-final match as it is oh well La, uh, La Rochelle lost no worries they'll be yeah. they'll be in the last six there was a glorious moment I'd love to know what was said between the two but Weenie Antonio grabs Gibson Park I can't remember why he grabs him like it was like a quick penalty tap or something but he scragged him like he was a small child and then pulled him close to him and they, he said something to him and Gibson Park laughs his head off and he laughs as well I'd love to know what it was <laughs> something about having made tons of cash dis- uh, playing for other countries <laughs> despite being Kiwis <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I can't remember but I just it looked like I don't know there's definitely a little and large size gag going on there yeah. there were there was a few fracas um, my favourite one was the one uh, in the Munster Beyond game, Tim, did you see someone from the crowd? Oh yeah, pulled, I've heard pulled about back this. one of the Beyond second rows, which is not the first time that a uh, Munsterman, a Munster fan, has wanted to get involved with one of the <laughs> one of the players. I thought this as well. The um, the guy wearing deck shoes, boat shoes, and uh, oh, that was Chino a Munster shorts. fan, wasn't it? That yeah, was yeah, Munster yeah. That was Munster, Munster fan. F- Munster no, no fan but it was Ulster. Was the game Billy. when Trevor Brennan went into the crowd and and punched someone? Yes, that is, and got and got his ban. Yeah, and there, there was one. Whose dad was it? Was it Pickamol's dad? Was it Harry Nordicke's? Harry Nordicke's dad. Harry Nordicke's dad. Was yes, Harry Nordicke definitely. Yes. Um, yeah, anyway. Munster do have. This habit, I mean, they're very passionate fans, but they do have some absolute idiots in in, in, in that crowd. Uh, Holding back a all, bit of- all clubs. Like you put you put ten thousand plus people. Oh. I mean 
Ravenhill is just a, a, such a great place to watch a game of rugby. Oh, by the way, when you were upstairs sorting your your, your apple disaster, which mm, which we are going to taste afterwards, which are, yeah, um, we mentioned twenty uh, seventh of January, Racing v Toulouse. I don't know if I can make it. That's a sort. All you have to do is get to Paris. Lewis has taken care of everything else. Of course he has. Good boy. Um, okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm there. Hundred percent. Yeah. Okay. I'm. I'm in. Yes. Twenty seventh. Twenty seventh. So and, I, I'm and going to go Friday to Monday. Cool. I'll probably do Friday to Sunday. Yeah. So um, we, we can, I can either pod down the line or we can pod from Paris. At a cafe. Pod from Paris. Pod from Paris. We'll try and get a late train or flight back. Hang on a minute. You got. You haven't got a CrossFit comp, have you? Oh no. My wife is skiing. Uh. Oh, with well, with kids, the kids, kids have got to learn to fend for themselves at some point. Yeah, they do. Sorry, right, Claire, Claire will take Claire will take him. Paris be here. <laughs> Claire will have Claire. Hannah, Thomas, Claire and your two. Four kids. Who are we watching? Paris. Uh, it's Racing v Toulouse. <laughs> that does excite me. Uh, in the Thunderdome. With yeah. like and. I'm definitely there. Okay, I, I think there might yeah, be. Yeah, you sold it to me now. I think there might be special tickets as well. I don't know, but I think there might be special. I think there might be extras on the tickets. And we are also going to Lisbon. Uh, well, we are going somewhere. Which, um, if you listen to the Patreon pod, um, we are going to go. And I'm, I'm going to try and book this in the next couple of weeks. Okay, cool. Because my work decreases next Friday uh, for the end of the year. Uh, to, so somewhere, possibly Lisbon. On the 2nd and 3rd of March. Exciting stuff. Oh, wow. Yeah, if you listened to Patreon a few weeks ago, you would have uh, had a little bit about that. So that would be be quite exciting. Excellent. If it plays out how I think it will play out, that would be a fantastic place to be on the 2nd and 3rd of March. Oh, wow. Right, Uh, and I've also found out the big big result that I mentioned at the start. Um, It was a win for Basildon away at Canvey Island. Oh, huge. Massive. Absolutely massive. Aylesbury, do we know it? The Aylesbury score? Narrow loss? I don't know. But did you see where Sedgley went? No. This week? He travelled down to Plymouth. Ooh, Albion. And the second, so the second team's... Cap- Phil Largan's Sedgley against Dan Mugford's Albion. Uh, yep. Ryan Lambs. Ryan Lambs. Uh, Chris, Chris Bentley's yep. Albion. <coughs> um, it's 22-3 to Albion. Ooh, that's Plymouth. a big win. Yeah, big where win. Where are Albion in the table? Because I, th- I, I thought they weren't rumors. doing that well. But I don't. They, they might. They might do all right. Do you know if they only run a first team? There's no second team at Albion. You have told me that. Yeah, it's crazy. Well, in- interesting thing for um, Sedgley. So the second team game got called off at about 10 a.m., maybe 9 a.m., and the second team uh, captain va- went via public transport from Sedgley, from from Whitefield what? to Plymouth, trying to catch the game. Did, did, he, did he make it? He made the second half. Well done. Absolutely remarkable. Wow, that's a great uh, effort. Because he wanted to be on the coach journey back. He wanted to be on the booze bus back. Oh, what <laughs> a boy. So fair play. Well, fair play. That I'm is just, awesome. Uh, my boys, Marlow, um, they were beaten th- this oh. weekend by a team which I can't believe you've never mentioned before. And I've never heard of this team before. Old Habdashians. No. H-A-C-R-F-C. Yeah, H-A-C. Um, Honourable Artillery yeah, Company. Yeah, Because yeah. which... Um, be, um, Saracens have played games there, haven't they? Or teams have played. Yeah. Games I was invited summer. to watch Scholars versus Wigan Warriors there in a pre-season a few years ago by their GM, who's a who is a lovely man, um, who's since since moved on actually. 
a guy called Jack. And um, mm. it's a very cool place to watch rugby. Wasps used to do loads of stuff there when they were in in London. Mm. They train at uh, they train on a Wednesday night and a Saturday morning for an hour. They nice. train in in, uh, in Clapham Common Southside on a Saturday morning. I don't know if that's like a social thing or whether, but uh, that's that, that's that's cool. Anyway, so I'm quite happy that I'm, I, I don't mind the Marlow boys getting beaten by that team. Uh, on Ellsbury, I don't know about El- Ellsbury. Uh, I'll just look it up. We, we can't complete the podcast without finding that result out. I've got a feeling it's not good because I've not had a text message this week. Mm. We should also do fixtures for next week. Yep. And then... Yeah, go on, Phil. I want to go home. So we've got Friday night, Tim. Uh, uh, stop. Um, oh, sorry, uh, Aylesbury News. Ful- Fullerians, 25, Aylesbury 3. Oh, oh no, wheels Le- are off. Leaving Aylesbury 10th out of 12. Oh. And that was the team below them they lost to. No. Yes. Gutted. Ah, oh, this is worrying. Go on, Phil. Right. Friday night, Tim's beloved Bayon host Glasgow Warriors. Yeah. Um, Northampton Saints host Toulon, which Toulon need a win. I'm going to say home win, home win. Yeah. Give me two home wins. I don't Although, know. Don't I can't know. believe Toulon, yeah. Toulon will be... God, Olivon. Just watching that game, Olivon is... Oh, what a man. Specimen. Just what a... Yeah, it's what a human it's and rugby player. Absolutely enormous as well. And he's athletic. Yeah. And handsome, yeah. Anyway, he's the he's the um, full package. I I do worry that Toulon are going to win that against mm. Saints. Um, then on the Saturday we've got two one o'clock kickoffs in Pool One. Saracens host Connacht, home win, home win, and in Pool Four, Stormers host La Rochelle. That might not go all uh, La Rochelle's way. I know, tough, tough to travel. Stormers will put out a, a first choice team. You think in that one? Yeah, yeah. Oh, it will wow. be very different conditions to the last La Rochelle game. It, w- it will be 30 degree heat wow, in Cape that's, Town. Wow, that's big, that game. It is, and that it's tough. La Rochelle need a win. Ah, okay, I, I, I could potentially see all home wins so far, but then I thought all the English teams would probably get beaten. <laughs> yeah, this yeah weekend, so. so what do we know? Yeah. Uh, then we've got a 3.15 in Pool 1, which is my beloved Bordeaux, who are going to smash... Bristol, yeah, grind them into dust. Uh, then we've got the five thirties, which is Leon hosting the Bulls. Leon mm. need a win, and that's that's a good matchup. I suggest Bulls won't travel with a strong team now they've got the win under their belt at home. So I'm going to go Leon, probably, and I reckon Leinster will beat Sale. Leinster hosting Sale. Um, you're not going jumping on a little forty five minute flight over to Dublin, JB? I am not. No, no. I would I would like to watch that though. Um. I think that will be a big Leinster win, unfortunately. Away, uh, away win for the late kickoff. Then we've got, yeah, well, there's going to be one home win in the Hopefully late kickoff. Hopefully, so Cardiff hosts Bath, which Bath are going to get their second win. And Ulster against Racing 92. Two teams both desperate for wins. Um, Stuart Lancaster coming back up to the Kingspan. Smash him. The loser of that could be in trouble with the other teams that are in the mm. that are in the pool. Mm. Although, yeah, Ulster will get a win over Cardiff. Hopefully. Oh, yeah, they play Cardiff. Yeah, okay. Um, oh, no, they don't because they're both oh, URC. They're URC. So Racing gets to play Cardiff, Ulster don't. Yeah. Ulster get to lose. And yeah. to lose Racing back. And Ulster gets to lose and Harlequins. And Harlequins. It might not be a good year for Ulster. No. Ulster might be zero from four. I wonder if um, things go back to how we thought they would go this week. Possibly. 
revert to the mean. Exeter Munster's interesting. The One o'clock on Sunday. Harlequins yeah. to lose. Yeah, Exeter Munster's got a bit of history as it well. It does. I was thinking that. That's a tasty game. Yeah. Um, yeah, Quinns probably can't beat Toulouse. Uh, Tigers can beat Stade Francais, though. Don't Stade Francais, who rested all of their players for this week. So they've Stade Francais have put all of their eggs in the round two basket. Hmm. I'm going to wait and see the teams, but it looks very homey this week, except for a few. Yeah, so Toulouse, we'll... Toulouse away, possibly Racing away, sadly. Maybe Monster, Monster away. possibly. Possibly. Yeah, Bath away, definitely. Bulls, depending on what team they put out. Yeah. Bath will be sitting pretty. It's all on the teams, isn't it? Oh, interesting. Right, nearly two hours. I think we must be done. Uh, yes. Any other business? Just like people have got a little bit of downtime coming up over the next few weeks. Anything you've watched recently that you recommend or read? Um, is there some... Have that... you watched The Bear? No, what's it about? Watch The, the Bear. Cooking... Really cool. Cooking program. Takes a little bit to get into, but it's so good. Oh, really? Is it on Disney? Yeah. Um, I'm not sure. I, I think it might be, actually. Um, but it's very good. I just completed three hours on the history of Visa. That was quite quite interesting. History of Visa on acquired. That was oh nice. Do you know what I was uh, listening to was Oak Island. Have you ever heard of Oak Island? Yeah. Oak Island is just uh, in Nova Scotia in Canada, and there's this there's this little island which is a mile long, half a mile wide, and it was two islands, and then kind of they were connected and. Anyway, the, there was always been speculation about this. It's, it, it, they, there's elements that date back to the Knights Templars, mm-hmm. and there's and there's lots of uh, apparent treasure to the point that there was all these different. If you look down through the history, there's all these different drilling companies that have acquired the rights to drill on Oak Island, and they've never managed to find whatever is there. And this, they've gone down hundreds of feet, and they've found like a layer of a layer of uh, uh, wood. And then they've gone through that and there's been a layer of coconut shells, something else, some something else, and then they get a layer of this, and then it keep they keep going down and finding new things and then and then it gets flooded and it was like booby trapped flooded and there's networks of What on earth? It's un but it's, there's, there's, there's speculation so the people have never managed to find the treasure that is apparently there, the fortune that is down there somewhere in this elaborate web of things. The thought is that we, there was a, a ship at some point deliberately sunk with everything in it and then this thing constructed over the top. And there's loads of drilling wow. companies that for the last 150 years have acquired the rights and tried to do it. Apparently Roosevelt was really, really into it um, when he... when he became... <laughs> But it's fascinating because you go into all this Knights Templar stuff and it might date back hundreds, thousands of years. In Canada, though? Yeah. Why were they there? I mean, America hadn't even been discovered. Well, no, there's, there's thoughts that um, it, the, p- pirates... Viking, yeah, or Vikings... Interesting. Yeah. Um, unacquired. Mm-hmm. So I listened before the um, sad passing of Charlie Munger two weeks ago. I d- just listened to. There's three acquired episodes on uh, Berkshire Hathaway. Yes. And then there's a Charlie Munger episode, which I would recommend. Uh, acquired is always brilliant. The three episodes. It's like ten hours. I've not listened to Berkshire the ha- Berkshire Hathaway. I've not listened. I did listen to the Charlie Munger in- interview though. Yeah. The, the three on Berkshire is, um, is better than the Munger interview. Yeah. Um, and it's got it's given me a new phrase that I love, which oh. is, I keep using at work, uh, which is, never wrestle with a pig. You'll both get dirty, but the pig will enjoy it. <laughs> which is a Munger phrase. Very good. Yeah, yeah. I like that. 
uh, just to finish on that uh, Oak Island, I just looked it up. It says that the theories about artifacts present on the island range from pirate treasure uh, to the Holy Grail or the Ark of the Covenant, with the Grail and Ark having been buried there by the Knights Templar. <laughs> it sounds like a Dan Brown book. It does, doesn't so it? There is, um, it was fascinating listening, anyway. There's also the Nazi gold train. You know that story? No. So there is a train full of Nazi gold, which is somewhere in Poland, allegedly. Um, and they found it. They or they thought they found it like two years ago. It was, it was, it was all over the news. So the train is underground. It got buried. I mean, how many places you could bury an underground train? I do not know. Just follow the rails. I mean, that would be my <laughs> advice. But um, yeah, they they thought they found it like two years ago. Uh, and there's, I mean, there's so many. You you say that, but it's like the other thing. Sorry, we will go in a minute, Phil. If we're talking about this, we are done. Uh, but there's the other thing about the um, the uh, the giant. Neolithic structures in the Amazon that have never been uncovered. Now, that is really interesting. Yeah, really interesting. Uh, found by LADAR or whatnot. Yeah, la- yeah, which suggests that despite uh, scientists claiming that uh, the human race is fifteen to 20,000 years old, actually there's uh, human... Si- sorry, civilization. Yeah, yeah. Human civilization. Si- yeah. Civilised human... Um, Human beings is about uh, however long, but but it, it suggests that they date back tens and tens of thousands of years. I just think it shows, doesn't it? No matter what the field is, experts know nowhere near as much as they as they say that they do. I think we've all had enough of experts. Yes, yeah, we've absolutely had enough of them, and uh, they're invested in defending the position that they've established to be true. Yes, exactly right. Yeah. So it just it's a story as old as time. It repeats itself over and over again. And just a last one on, on Berkshire Hathaway. Mm. If you want to um, just collect a load of quotes, going through the Charlie Munger quotes and the Warren Buffett quotes are phenomenal. Mm. They've got some ab- absolute belters. Uh, absolute belters. Yeah. It's those absolutely. I all- Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. All the acquires are great, but those ones are really cool. Mm. And, and it's very apt at the moment. I well. need a right hand. I need a comp. So, Charlie Munger is basically Warren Buffett's right-hand man. Warren Buffett has the ideas, from what I can mm-hmm. tell, and Jolly Munger. I need a right-hand man. You need you have the ideas. You need someone who can execute. Yeah, constantly, constantly. That's what I need. I just need rich enough to hire a Charlie Munger. <laughs> <laughs> what you also need, what we, everyone needs to do as well, is listen in at least one and a half speed, so you can get more done. That's what I do. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Great. Uh, or listen in half speed and it'll sound like we're drunk. Whatever the case, thank you for listening. Uh, contact eggchasers at gmail.com for more content. Some of it's spicy. Then go to patreon.com slash eggchasers. And our pre-Christmas show will be coming up next week after round two of the Champions Cup. And we'll do a Patreon for next week as well. Yes. Yeah. Perfect. Let the boys end. <laughs>